0: My name is Kyle Hastings, and I will be sharing stories and talking with everyday people who will encourage, will inspire, and will motivate. Throughout my journey of life, I have been very lucky to meet many beautiful people with amazing stories of transformation and growth. Inspirate is here to bring out the best of you. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another Entsbury Podcast. My name is Kyle Hastings, and we took a week off last week, and I want to apologize for that, but this podcast is going to be about three hours straight. We're going to take a couple breaks, acknowledge our sponsors, and give some thank yous, but this is the podcast where Tracy Sullivan interviews me, interviews Kyle Hastings in my story. She asks a lot of questions, but some of these questions definitely get me. I, I open up myself here I get pretty vulnerable and I open to some of my struggles that I faced when I was very heavy and not gonna lie they they were pretty sad and I I choke up a couple minutes here and I, I read some stuff and I share some of what happened during my struggles during the years where I was really heavy and very unhealthy going back to some dark spots going back to some dark places where I do not ever want to be back uh, feeling like that again, and that is a part of my journey right now is to continue to feel good, feel strong, feel healthy, and never feel like how I did in those days, in those dark days when I was really he- heavy. Hope everyone enjoys this. Uh, like I said, I open myself up to talk about some, some very dark topics, some deep, deep topics about being overweight, what comes with that. And I hope this helps somebody. I know uh, definitely I re-listened to this earlier and it was pretty powerful to just to re-listen to it. You're going to be listening to it for the first time. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for supporting the Unspray podcast and I wish you the best week. Enjoy this episode of Tracy Sullivan interviewing Kyle Hastings. Okay, now they're both recording. And Great. yes, so this is Sunday night, and Tracy Sullivan's back with us. She was our guest on the first episode ever of the Inspire Podcast. Now we are up to recorded-wise, I think we're up to like 14 recorded, and we have four, three in the queue, just waiting to be edited and be put out for the next couple Mondays, the next month of Mondays, but. 10 episodes ago. How fast was that?
1: That's amazing. Yeah, very very amazing.
0: It was the was it third week of July? And now we are the fourth week of August going to be in September. So yeah, 6 weeks.
1: Well, congratulations. There are a lot of episodes that everyone's listened to. And I've heard every one of them and I repeat be, them.
0: We might be up to uh 1000 downloads hopefully by the time this airs, which is huge. It's a pretty big milestone. I'm going to do like balloons and streamers. And I might make a cake, like a 1,000 cake. You should. But it'll be low calorie just because I'm in a calorie deficit again for the next couple of weeks. But that'll be fine. Hopefully. Hopefully I'll have uh, be out of that by the time this, maybe not. We got like five, yeah, it'll be about five weeks, four weeks that this will air from the time that we're recording right now. So it's a good position to be in versus, you know, trying to scramble and have people. So we got guests booked up for the next 15, 15 weeks after this. So how do you interviews. go
1: about picking guests and topics, Kyle?
0: What I want to find is a story of somebody that made it that's an average guy, average girl, just your person that walked behind you in a grocery store. And you can look behind and say hi to them, and they say hi back. But that, that person that says hi may have a story that is one of the most fascinating or just the pillars of unsprayed, encouraging inspiring and motivating stories that you can imagine but no one would ever know that they had it because no one's ever asked them what their life story is or what they've done in their life and that's the whole mission of this podcast is to make sure that we can bring out those types of stories i keep saying we in all these all these talks i keep saying we it's like i'm schizophrenic there's like three different versions (laughs) of kyle which one are you getting i don't know why i say we because i i Take and spray it as a being, because it's its own. It's its own being. It has its own message, and it, it's really cool to to use that for the good of bringing out the everyday person's stories and like your story and all the other stories that we we spoke to. People would never know that, but yet there are motivating and inspiring other people when they listen to it, just because you're an average person. You're you're not a celebrity. You're not. A king or a queen, or you know, you you are a hard-working individual, just like everybody else that's listening to this podcast. They clock in and they clock out, and they have chores they have to do, and they have family they have to take care of, and they have a life they have to live, and nothing's provided for you. You have to work for everything.
1: And what's been cool is to hear so many different stories from everyone's own unique perspective because it's their life and their story, but to hear it from them firsthand and share it with everybody has been phenomenal. And that's why I wanted to come over tonight because I think it's your turn.
0: So Tracy came to me about this, I don't know, about two weeks ago, I would say. About two weeks ago. So someone planted a seed in Sarah. And Sarah was like, hey, are you ever going to get interviewed yourself? I'm like, no, it's about other people. That's It's about others, not me, not my story. She goes, you got to share your story. I'm like, I don't have a story. And she's like, you're full of, four letter orange like you do i said but this isn't about me this is about my opportunity to bring out other people's stories i was given a gift to talk to people and people open up and i was also given a gift for so many people to come into my life where i could talk to them and i they have so many awesome stories and i'm and, I have and an op- so do you yeah but not as awesome as other people's stories i'm I. that's a
1: matter of perspective that's Much my like perspective when i was interviewed by you I was just telling my story and I kept saying that's just me it's just me no this is not just you this is inspirate you're inspiring people through your journey which is weight loss right you've inspired people for who you are you are a funny person you are a family man you are a local public servant you're a hard-working guy you're an athlete you're someone who's motivated a bunch of people and I think your story needs to be told.
0: Well, Thank you, and, and that's why you're here. So I'm I'm finally going to answer some questions and 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 share a little bit of it. But the the spray, it did come out of people saying that what you've done inspired me or it's encouraged me. That is one of the big reasons why it, it has came out. Why I resurfaced it because originally, and I've mentioned this before, but I started as a as a blog, as a written blog, because I was disgusted on how the news was presented it's it's constant violence it news is reporting negative things it's always negative there's never positive things reported unless it's at the very end the last story of a newscast is usually like the very feel-good story because we just kicked you in the beanbag that's see i can say beanbag so i don't have to get the uh parental advisory you're constantly kicked in, you know, in the in the region with bad news. And I was disgusted by it. I'm still disgusted by it. You know, I, I wonder how these newscasters feel when they have to read every single day on how many people got shot in whatever city they live in, major city. And then we're going to have to go through all the other crime. And then we're going to get to weather. And then we'll go to sports. And then we're going to talk about the Girl Scouts selling extra cookies today. Because hopefully they have a feel-good story at the very end. It's gonna annul the last, the first twelve minutes of talking about who got shot on the expressway and the drive and and the thefts and you know the the car accidents and the, the horrific stuff nationally. It and that's why I started the unsolved blog was to bring up everyday stories and just have people write it throughout the United States. So I took out a bunch of ads uh, on Craigslist at the time because that's the way of in two thousand and ten. That's how I guess you were able to find like freelance writers. So I took out an ad in every major market on Craigslist. Every major city in the United States and then like the large regional cities and like the Great Plains states, the smaller states of people to submit stories. Pro bono, they wouldn't be paid because I didn't have money to pay them. Eventually, hopefully, I was going to have money to pay them and they have sponsorship. But if they knew a story from somebody, share it. If it's a feel-good story it encouraged, and inspired, and it motivated, write it up, and we'll put it on the blog. That lasted a couple months. We got some really cool stories and some really motivational stories. Then it started getting, like, really weird. Like, people were writing stuff, and it was, I just couldn't, I couldn't go forward with anymore. It was really weird stuff. And so I just put it to rest, put it, I shelved it, and when. How
1: long ago was that, roughly?
0: Ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago. And I, I shelled it, and then when the weight loss stuff happened, I started getting messages of encouragement, and like "Oh, you're, what you're doing is really inspiring." And I thought about, it, I'm like, I have a, a an opportunity to share good messages. I didn't want to share my message because I felt that others are more, other messages are are more deserving than mine because mine is just, mine's a transformation that I I guess I did for me. I I didn't do it for to do this podcast I didn't do it to get recognition I did it to save my own life because I was getting way too big way too heavy and I wanted to be an active parent I wanted to be an active grandparent and if and that's how I, I rehashed this whole inspiration. and I thought about it for about a month and a half probably all through May and then in June we went away and to Florida and I, we were talking about it a lot and then we bought the equipment and then here we are
1: Amazing. Well, you've had several guests that are very interesting from all walks of life. Let's talk about you a little bit. So when this all started, um, you were posting a lot of motivational stuff. You weren't on social media for a while, right? But then tell me what motivates you on a daily basis? What music, what books, what do you turn to when you need a little kick in the pants to follow down the road you need to be on?
0: So I, I was not on Facebook for a year. And that was great. I just Facebook turned into a political pulpit and a a chest beating session of people's beliefs that no one asked to hear. And I had to remove myself from it because it, it's it was the negative part of social media. You know, there it's good and evil. It's a yin and yang. That's what social media is. You can use it for good, and you can use it for bad. And I say the bad part of it is is giving out information that's unsolicited and. It is hot topic information. Example, politics, national politics, state politics. If you go on there and say, I like the color yellow, well, how easy is it for someone to come in there and say, well, yellow stupid. You're stupid. I hate yellow and I hate you. And that's that's what it's turned into be. And so I just got off of it. I, I cut cut it off. Now I grew a pretty big Facebook following because I I did a lot of humor on there. I did it for humor. Primarily, it was all humor, satire, and humor. A lot of it was real gray. It was a gray area stuff, but I knew like where I had to, where I pumped the brakes at, and how how far I can go. So I just got off of it completely. And then people were like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, oh, "I'm fine." Why? Why aren't you on Facebook? Well, first, I'm very glad that you're concerned about what my social media habits are. I put him off of it. Thank you though for asking, and I stayed off it. It was it was perfect. It was perfect. There was, there was. I got off Facebook. It was like, a, a, I don't even know how to describe. It, it was like carrying like a, a load because you, you feel like you have to check it to see what's going on to be current. But I got to a point where I really didn't care about current because nothing on there really was motivational or nothing was uplifting. So then I was introduced to Instagram which what Facebook was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was about sharing good stuff and a lot of interesting, uh, links on there for, for betterment or, you know, self-help. I I mean, self-help isn't always like a mental thing, but just like to better yourself, to help yourself. And so that's why I went on Instagram and I would, uh, follow different things that interest me like weightlifting and, uh, mind over matter concepts and, that's how he stayed on Instagram and I kept the motivational stuff up but you're then you mentioned about what I listened to 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 give me a kick in the butt I listened to a David Goggins that that was the original kick in the butt we're gonna go back far how I got into what I listened to so I listen to music I'm a huge music Lover, and even at dinner, because I have a problem with hearing people chew, we have to listen to music. You guys are laughing and shaking your head. It's it's true. It's very sad, but I can. At cannot... least we're aware of it, though. And That's I okay. and I openly admit it, and even to my six year old who chews with their mouth open, I have to listen to music because I'll flat out tell her you don't chew like a dog, and I can't say that to a six year old. So I listen to music because I could zone in. But I listen to music. But a year, year and a half ago. So I was doing a lot of driving, a lot of commute pre-COVID, and I got hooked on to a podcast. The first podcast I listened to was based off of a book recommendation. We were out to breakfast, and a guy named uh, Matt Roth was his name. Matt Roth, he played football professionally for the uh, Dolphins for like eight years, I think, and he's a friend of a friend. Friend of a friend uh, named Brian, our friend Brian, and he was talking about this book. It was called The Unbeatable Mind, and uh, it's about more or less it's a it's a mind over matter, mental strength, mental toughness. So I read the book and then I listened to the book, and then from there I went from The Unbeatable Mind by Mark Divine was his name and Mark Divine, and you're gonna follow. You're gonna see these patterns. Mark Divine is a SEAL commander. He's a retired SEAL commander. Uh, he's a master yogi. He is a black belt in multiple disciplines, and he is a he is more of a mind. Mind is the primary. If you can control your mind, you can control everything. So from that, I learned about box breathing from him, and I do box breathing to this day. And it's and what's that box breathing's five second inhales, hold for five seconds, five second exhale, hold for five seconds. Creates a box, right? Because there's four four sides to this breathing. So you just close your eyes and you breathe in for five seconds, you hold for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, and then you have some type of mantra that you would say in between those five seconds so you know where it's at. At first, you would just do five-second counts. And that's what I did. One time, I did box breathing for an entire flight, and that flight went by in five minutes just because I got so so channeled in. Mark Devine would say, feed the courage, Wolf. That's what he would quote. He said, feed the courage, wolf. And I I said my own stuff. I would count at first and I would just say, be brave, be strong or, or something like that, whatever it would take for five seconds. But I, I did that and I was really getting into it and I enjoyed how I felt from it. So then that uh, sprung to a guy named David Goggins. I heard about him. I'm like, this guy's insane. It was just interesting to listen to it. So I listened to one of his podcasts, and uh, he's on. He was on the big podcast circuit around 2000, end of 2019. I'm going to say, COVID was 2020. I'm trying to put these years together. So yeah, end of 20, about 2019, he, he wrote a book called "Can't Hurt Me," and he's going around all the podcasts sharing his story. And his story is just, I mean, one of just remarkable mind over matter, and it was just so fascinating. And there were there were many things that just resonated with me and like how his life, his life have, how his life happened. And there was a lot of things that I was like, yeah, that's, that's sort of like me. It's sort of like me, you know, and how he described, like how he felt being big and lifting and, you know, falling short, you know, it's something and finally, he just had enough with it, and he was able to flip a switch in his head and say, I'm taking control, and it's controlling my inner bitch. That's what he said. You control your inner voice, control that inner bitch. And That's what he would always say. So I listened to his book, and his audio book is partially like a podcast where he, the first chapter is read, and then it would be him, it would be Goggins and the narrator in between. And then that's how it was for the entire book. So I would listen, I listened to his book, and then I bought the book, and I read the book, and then I was listening to all of his podcasts. I I subscribed on uh, Apple, like on Apple, you can type in a name, and whenever he pops up on a podcast, you get it. I think I've listened to every podcast of his. And
1: when you were listening, you were, because you were driving for work in a car or on a plane or something? Right.
0: I was doing a lot of driving at the time, so I would just drive in between. And so I just grew infatuated with david goggins but i did not grow infatuated yet with changing myself i liked what he was saying but i just did not implement what he was saying i I did not i did not implement his creed of embrace the suck become uncomfortable do what's uncomfortable because if you're doing what's uncomfortable that means you're actually trying hard you're working hard because if you get into routine you do what's comfortable are you really trying no you're going through the motions if things suck, you're supposed to be there. Because that means you're gonna have to work hard to get to your end result. So I, I learned about Goggins and and then right around February, right before COVID kicked off, I'm on uh I'm on a drive. So I was introduced to a guy named Ethan Saple. And Ethan Saple was the real big heavy guy from Remember the Titans, and he was on My Name is Earl. And I saw an article about him, about how he's lost like 200 pounds, 300 pounds. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Then I read a little bit more that he started his podcast. It's called American Glutton. And how he explained like how he did his, you know, his transformation and how more or less he was an addict. He was, a, I believe, a, a drug and alcohol addict. How he put that under control and, you know, and he he's, he's just rocking it. So he would have his interviews on and I would listen to that. And that would always put me, I, I'd always listen, like I felt good after listening it. So COVID happened and I still listen to all those podcasts and I have these books. And I I started listening to Jocko, uh, the Jocko podcast. there was another one, but they're all pretty much similar. Jocko's a seal. Goggins was a seal. It's all the same mindset. It's all gold driven. It's all mind over matter. Because a lot of the seals, from what I understand of everything I've heard, it's all mental. Everybody there is the same physical capabilities, but it's where your mind can go and how far you can bury your mind behind or in front everything. Where you you know you could just drive. You can just drive, and you don't. I'm trying to phrase it the right way. More or less, you get in such tunnel vision where you, you can go through a wall and you'll make it through the wall because your mind's telling you you can. And I I really enjoyed that, but I didn't implement it until shortly after COVID started, right around July. And that's when I implemented it. But,
1: uh, and when, so July comes, and that's when you started changing what you were doing and changing your goals. Is that right? I
0: changed everything in July. So there was a lot that happened. So 2020 was a real rough year. And people don't find where they are at until they hit rock bottom. And rock bottom for everybody is in indif- different measures. You know, we were talking about perspective, right? Rock bottom for you might be your car breaks down. And that might be the worst thing you've ever faced ever in your life. And you have no benchmark to, to determine what is the worst thing. So COVID happened and I've never been laid off before. I've never been let go of work. I've never, I've always had a job. I've always had a job. So April 20th, 29th occurs. Now I was lifting in the garage during COVID and I started lifting just because I gave a challenge to the high school, to Victor J. Andrew High School, that I was going to beat all their players in a 225 rep test. I couldn't do 225 two times at the time when I did it. And I'm like, what did I just do? I got to start training because I can't get showed up because there's nothing more motivating to an individual is publicly stating something. And putting you on the on the pedestal. Because if you don't if you don't do it, well now you're known as a failure. And I can't handle that. That's one thing I can't handle. So April 29th happens. I get laid off around two PM. One PM, two PM happens. And I was just it was a shock. It was a complete shock. Because I put together this training program with this company I was with. I was really thrown off by it. But I also was more of a nurturer to the team where I was dealing with other people that were sad that they got laid off. And I went downstairs and we were about, I think, did we already eat supper? Yeah. So I ate supper and I still have my shirt on. Like I have a work shirt, like a a long sleeve shirt on because I made like a joke out of the Zoom. I had like a shirt and tie and a pair of like shorts on underneath it. And I took a photo right before I got laid off that I sent out to the team, but no one knew it. I said, hey, I dressed up for work today. I'm wearing my American flag Crocs. I got a pair of cargo shorts on and a shirt and tie. And we got laid off. I made the calls around. Everyone was in shock. Thankfully, there was the uh, COVID stimulus money that that was just released for unemployment. So I wasn't worried, but it was definitely a shot to me that I was laid off. So we, we have supper. I go downstairs. Sit on the couch, and Nala is four months old at the time, four months, five months old. So she's a pup. She's starting to get big, but she's still a small pup. So I sit down, I just take a breath, the LT breathe. And I just, I was just breathing, and everything started again. I felt heavy, like you just wanted to sink into the couch. And then things started like settling in of like, man, what, what has happened? You know, I can't believe I got laid off. I got up to use the bathroom. And I took a step by the bathroom door that we live in a tri-level home. So I stepped on the carpet and I had socks on. And my sock got wet, just instantaneous wet. I'm like, son of a gun. And I had used the bathroom really bad. So I told Sarah, hey, grab a towel, throw it down here. Nala peed right by the door. And Nala was doing really good with like potty training because we were very on top. it of- we were home. We were home. So we were very routine. She rarely had any accidents. She's a great puppy. Yeah, thank you. I think she's upstairs laying down right now. told her to go to bed. She went to bed. And I use the bathroom and I come out of the bathroom. I take another step over the towel because I want to get the, the carpet cleaner. And my foot is soaked again. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I opened the laundry room door the way our basement's designed. And I just saw a wall of water coming across the laundry room floor. And I'm thinking, oh. You got to be kidding me! And I'm, my mind operates in in panic. I, panic's not the right word, in crisis. That I'm I'm already looking for what the reasons are for what this is. Like I'm, way I'm playing trained. chess. Sure. Yes, I'm playing chess. I'm five. I'm moving five steps ahead. I'm feeling pipes. I'm looking at pipes. I'm looking where the water's coming from. Where's the flow? I'm trying to dam it with towels. Because we have our pool towels that I'm damming it with. And seeing where the flow is coming from. So I know where I can, we can address the problem at. But there's just so much water coming in. I didn't know where to address the problem. Well we had rained that whole day and the day before. A ton of rain. It didn't even put two and two together. That might be coming through the crawl space. So I'm looking to see where the source of the water is. And none of the pipes are leaking. And it's creeping underneath. the Like underneath the, I would say where our bathroom is. The shower bay and you could see it, so I opened the door to the laundry room again because I wanted to see what, what there's other water, and you could see the carpet starting to get saturated. I open up the closet, I take our stuff out of the closet because we have we use it for storage the downstairs closet, and I open up the crawl space door, and the water is crusting the gravel foundation and it's literally up on the four the two by four studs and it's crested it, and it's just coming in Wow, and I'm like, my God, you gotta be kidding me. And we moved everything out of that crawl space. I mean and lickety split and our furniture we, we got water on it and we I mean it was everything had water and it it rose and I'm you gotta be kidding me. I just started laughing. And right before COVID hit, right around February, Joker came out and I'm laughing. It's and we watched we just we, and we watched Joker and Sarah's like, Are you okay? And I said, well, nothing worse can happen. We're here and we're healthy. The only thing worse that can happen is if someone passes away. This is it. we got to deal with it. And that April 29th was a day. It was like the wake-up day. It was like I I don't like feeling like that. And then we started really training in the garage. And then I went to a doctor in July. And, and we
1: as you and your beautiful wife, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. You're
0: You were doing a little bit. Not... I would say not much, but you were doing a ton of walking. Not really the weights, but doing a lot of walking. And I was out there just really just getting into it.
1: So you guys are both former athletes, right? When you were in the college university setting, you both played sports. Yes. Did you continue to train at all as you continue to get older? Or with the busyness of the house and the family and things, had you kind of set that aside? How hard was it to get back into a routine?
0: I was routine all the way up till, uh Kyle was born and I we trained for a triathlon you know I lifted in law enforcement and I did enjoy lifting uh, then we got into the endurance sports for a couple of years doing the triathlons and half marathons uh, and that was fun and then when Kyle was born I pretty much just stopped doing everything I mean I, I would lose weight here or there but I just went on c- consumption mode and that was consumption of food consumption like weekend drinking, consumption of just driving and it sounds good, I'll stop there and get something type mentality and I didn't really start training, I mean really intense, I, I always lifted, I always enjoyed lifted lifting but I never kicked it into gear for I have to save myself type mentality and I need to keep myself saved until July 8th. And that's when things, for me, kicked into gear. And then September 8th is when we started with B3 Fitness. And Sarah and I both started with with that at the same time. And that came about, Mike lost, my brother Mike lost a bunch of weight training with B3. And I went over to his house after I went to the doctor's, like I was at 415 pounds. I told him, and he's like, it's insane, give Jill a call. I was like, okay. But we talked about it for like a whole day before. It was like, well, do we really want to do this? And we came up with all the excuses. Everyone else always comes up. Well, we got a party on this day. We 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 plan on doing this. It's like, no, we have to get our act in gear. And who cares about what the outside environment is altering what we need to do inside our environment? And that's when it started.
1: Well, and to start a program like that, you really have to be committed to it. It's not something you can kind of do. Right. It's something that you know this is your day one. This is what you're going to commit to, and this is what you're going to do, right? Yes. So the, the challenge had to be preparing for that, though, because having been through the same program, it's eating differently, it's working out differently, um, because a lot of people thought, oh, I could lose weight based on cutting my calories or you know doing cardio. It's a whole different plan. So both of you being knowledgeable and having been former athletes, it might have been easier to know how to do some of the weights and things like that, but was, what was more challenging for you, changing the eating plan or working out? What piece of it was the most challenging?
0: Eating, 100%. It was changing my eating plan, and it was becoming, becoming accountable for what I'm putting into my body and understanding the science behind input versus output of what type of fuel are you putting in your body and why are you putting that fuel on your body and why are you eating certain type of macronutrients which is are your fats proteins and carbohydrates I was never really taught it I had a good idea about it that you just want to eat a ton of protein you know gram of protein per pound whatever was whatever I read at the time but I just I did not understand what the caloric deficit the uh, basal metabolic rate the BMR of yourself on what it takes to maintain a body weight I was up to 415 pounds and to weigh that much you got to eat like 4500 calories to maintain that weight and I was eating 4500 calories because I didn't lose any weight it just kept getting bigger I was getting stronger so I didn't think about the weight but I would say it's 100 percent food consumption because that's what takes work everyone can say they're gonna go for a walk every day right that's not a hard thing for majority of the people is walking around unless you had you have some type of, uh, of a ailment or you're so morbidly obese, you can't even catch your breath from walking up and down the stairs, but at least you did something, you know, you have you, to start. You have to, everyone has a day one and day ones are the days that suck. But once you get through day one, you, you already had your day one. So now we're on day two or day 10 or day 50 or day 90 or 400, right? Everyone has that day one and our day one was, it was very stressful very, very stressful for us because we had to go shopping. We, we had to get food that we had no clue what they were. We had to weigh food. We had to measure food. We had no clue what we were doing. Are we doing this right?
1: Well, and that's really important because for me, too, you have to weigh your food. And we learned a lot going through the process, mm-hmm. right, that you didn't know. And when I went to high school in the 80s, nobody taught me nutrition, They should have, you know, and I had anatomy, but I didn't learn what I needed to do. And so I threw everything out and just started fresh, no pun intended, but weighing it and counting it and figuring out when you needed to eat it took some practice and understanding too, to meal prep and to know what you were going to eat and when, and to have a plan B just in case something happened.
0: Yes. Meal prep sounds easy. It sounds easy. All this stuff sounds good because it's easy because you didn't implement it. Once you implement it, that takes work. Not only does it take work, but it takes time. And it makes you uncomfortable because the time that you're taking to figure out what you're going to eat for the week, measure it out, measure out all your nutrients that you need for each day and how you're going to do it, cook your food, store your food, that's going to take hours. And there's no sugar coating. Oh, It takes like 15 minutes. Whoever says it takes 15 minutes, they're full of crap. It's going to take a good 4 hours, 6 hours to prep your food for the week cuz you got to cook it, you got to steam it, you got to grill it.
1: And it takes longer at the beginning cuz you really don't, you don't know, know what you're doing. <laughs> you don't know what you're
0: doing. And that's why you got to hire a coach. You have to and and you see that all the time. If you're starting this, hire a coach, even if you're midway through it, hire a coach because they are experts in that. You are not. No, no matter how much we think we know what we're doing, there's stuff that I have no clue. I'm just doing what I was taught off of a 40 week plan that I did, and I'm continuing to do it. There's I know ninety-nine percent nothing and one percent something based off of what I've done. And I'm trying to band-aid and fix what I un, what I've undone since I was in my late twenties. You know, I, I burned away 10 years of just eating crap. And it took a whole entire year of very strict discipline to undo that. But thankfully that year now it's created all new habits where I know exactly what my input and output is. I know what I need and, and measuring food isn't work anymore. Weighing food, prepping food, it isn't work because now it's routine and it's normal. I set a new normal for me, but at first it's not normal to waste an entire Sunday when I could be downstairs on the couch watching TV or taking a nap because I love naps. no. Well, we have to figure this out. And Sarah was always very strict on. We have to figure this out today. What are we doing this week? And that's how we are now, because we do all we do all of our stuff on our own. But that's what are we doing this week? What's we have to get the grocery list together? What are you eating now? for For myself, I'm like rain man. I have I've had the same lunch, breakfast, and snacks f- since June. And what's Doesn't that lunch me. that you have every day, Kyle? What I have it? ten ounces of chicken. I have ten ounces. well now. I have to modify it a little bit because I, I'm back into a deficit. But I'll have ten ounces of steamed chicken because Sarah does a great job in that pot with the steamed chicken and shreds it. I'll have a slice of cheese, two pieces of locale toast or locale bread, and a bag of protein chips. But now I altered it because we ran out of protein chips temporarily. So I have a, a piece of lavish bread. With 60, 56, or no sixty six ounce or grams of of uh, shredded mozzarella, and I'll have ten ounces of chicken, and I'll make like a burrito wrap, and then I'll just eat the I'll eat the the chicken with just with my fork. But that's my lunch. I love it.
1: It's, well, and the interesting thing is now you know what you can substitute. Right. You know where back in the day you might have been hitting a drive-through or doing something that was convenient, but not appropriate for what you need yes
0: right? i'll never go through a drive-thru ever again there, there are zero options i would rather and i don't know if this is the right thing to say and jill might i might get a text i would rather starve than stop at mcdonald's and eat at mcdonald's i would rather starve to stop at any fast food restaurant because the only thing that i can even fathom that's fresh non-altered is probably a salad but then then again i don't know because i didn't pick it out of a store If I have to stop and like I have to eat or I have to get a snack, I would probably stop at a gas station because at least I know I can get like I can get a protein bar, even though it's altered, but it's a protein bar. It's not a McDonald's hamburger that could sit out for a month and it still look as fresh as it did on the first day. So, yeah, those those are some of the things that, and it just takes more time and it takes work. And But once you get over that hump, and we got over that hump probably right around the second phase, halfway through the second phase where it became a routine, where we weren't nervous about things anymore. Right around the 12th week, at the end of the first phase, halfway through the second phase, and I say phase because those are the 12 weeks. I, did, I do everything on phases on Instagram. I always say phase four. I think I'm phase four day like 60 right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so right right around halfway through the second phase is when I was dialed in and I knew what I could do. Located in Homer Glen and New Lenox, Illinois, Vittori Foot and Ankle Specialist provides comprehensive podiatry services to people of all ages. Dr. Christopher Vittori and Dr. Amit Thakkar are dedicated to helping patients treat a wide range of foot and ankle issues. With expertise in ankle sprains, bunion treatment, diabetic foot care, neuropathy, and more, the team at Vittori Foot and Ankle Specialist combines its professional expertises to deliver effective and targeted treatments. The team is committed to creating a safe and professional environment where patients can feel comfortable addressing any of their foot and ankle concerns. To learn more about the podiatry services at Vittori Foot and Ankle Specialist, use the online booking tool or call the office to book an appointment today by calling 708-273- 7080 and visiting them at com, and liking and following their instagram and facebook pages
1: and you learned enough to change things too so whether it was a workout or something going on with your family calendar and things like that you were able to adjust what you were eating what you were working out and how to spend your time time is a huge commitment on this kind of a plan too so i think you're an early morning riser Yes, right? yes. Um, so you work out in the morning, get your workout in, do it early. Why do you do that?
0: It's, it's amazing you asked. It's like almost like Sarah probably cued you up to ask No, this. she didn't. I know she didn't because we literally just – I had her watch something yesterday. Oh. Why do I do this? <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. So this was another interview that I watched many years ago, and I really loved listening to it. I, it resonated with me, but I just never implemented it until recently. And it's amazing how everything comes together at the right points. When you need everything to come together perfectly, and that's when it did for me, was in July. You know, April between April and July of 2020. I watched another YouTube video. Go ahead, anybody who's listening to this, and research uh, Texas, University of Texas Commencement Speech, Navy SEAL um, Admiral. Or N- University of Texas Commencement Speech, Navy SEAL. And there is a, an admiral, He's a Navy. he was the head of the Navy SEALs, he talks about what 10 things, 10 things of success to change the world. The first thing to do is start your day with a win. And you've probably heard me say this many times, I preach this, and this is probably part of my, my ethos, my personal mission statement, is you have to look at everything that wins and losses. That's coming from a life of athletics for me. Everything is a win and a loss. Everything. There are no ties. There are no consolation awards. You either win or you lose. That's it. There, there's no feel good moments in between. I'm very black and white with that. And that's how I've lived my life now for the last year. There's wins and losses. My first win of the day is putting my feet on the ground when I wake up as early as possible to get my stuff done. And the reason why I do that, I need to start my day one and all. The hardest thing to do for your day is what? To leave the state of comfort- being comfortable. You are comfortable in your bed. You are comfortable in your bed with your nice warm blanket on and you got the AC set at 65 and you just had this beautiful dream and you're cozy and just feel good and maybe I can get some more sleep. No. You wake up for a reason. It's because you have to get to work. Your body's telling you, hey, get up, quit being lazy, and move forward for your day. I set my alarm, so I set my day at 1-0 immediately. As soon as I put my foot on the ground, I won. Okay? I won. I have a victory. If I choose not to do that, I lost. I made a choice to stay comfortable. Because anyone that wakes up that early in the morning, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable when you're going to bed when the sun's down and you're waking up when the sun's down. It sucks because you're comfortable. I'm 1-0. W- wake up f- 4, 4.30. Now we wake up at 4 because someone else is now on the 4 a.m. plan, Miss Sarah, and I'm really proud of her for that because it sucks. It is not fun to wake up that early when your mind's telling you, no, I need to sleep just a little bit more. No, your mind's not telling you to sleep a little bit more because you're being lazy. It's very blunt, very harsh, but get up, start moving, okay, because we're only on this earth for so many amount of minutes, days, and years, right? Why are we going to waste it in bed? Now it's hypocritical for me to say that because I do like taking naps, but I take, but I do take. I take naps when I have. I'm allowed to take it when you're when, allowed. When I when, 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 when I don't have things.
1: Sarah gives you permission to no, take. No, it's naps.
0: not Sarah. It's me. <laughs> it, when I don't have anything to do, when I've already accomplished what I've had to do, and I have minimal. I mean, there's always something to do. But if I can afford to take a nap, I'm taking a nap. But the first thing I do is put my feet on the ground. Wake up early, one and all. I go downstairs and I drink a cup of water drink a full cup of water, 2-0. I eat my breakfast. I'm 3-0. I got three wins already for the day. It's not even 4.30 in the morning. I eat my breakfast. I take my vitamins. I take my pre-workout and I go to the gym. I'm at the gym by 5am for a a 5am workout. I kicked it back to 5 because I have other responsibilities now that I have to do that are earlier but I've already started the day 5-0 before 5am. Amazing. And I'm undefeated. I'm undefeated going into 6 a.m. Because now I just did a complete workout. 6 a.m. I get home. Well, I get home like at 6:15, 6:30. Because I sit in the car a little bit and I just like decompress. I'm already six and all by 6 a.m. I'm undefeated. 7 a.m. We get the kids ready. Everyone gets off to school. We're off to school. I start my day by 8:30, 8 uh, probably like 8:30, 8:15, where I'm 100% on the computer for work. I start workish 8, calling, seeing what's going on, reading the emails. But I start actually doing like these. What well, we were on this program called Salesforce. I'm up on Salesforce between eight fifteen, eight thirty. Already checking, seeing what's going on. But the emails are going about eight. Text messages are eight. Phone or whatever I'm catching up on. Nine and zero, oh, ten and oh. So I'm ten and oh by eight a.m. Now things might come and fall on my plate that I don't have control over. That I'm not going to succeed at because you you will fail. Everyone fails. But I already have such a large cushion of victories that if something happened that I didn't get to or I wanted to get to and I didn't for either being lazy or poor time management, I'm 8-1. and one. I missed something else, 8-2. and two. I missed eating lunch at 12 o'clock and I hated eating at 2 o'clock. Okay, I'm 8-3. But then I have many more small victories throughout the day. I have 15 wins. And by the time I go to bed, I'll have 25 wins and 3 losses. It's not a bad record for the day. That's a great day. So I won. And I I'll go to bed. Day starts over at zero zero. Same mentality for the rest of the day. And I, that's how I live my day my life for the last year. Everything's based off of wins, small wins, and losses. I haven't lost a day.
1: What was the toughest day in the last year if you had to pick one?
0: The toughest day. Hmm. I that's that's a good question the toughest day in the last year was probably day one that's that was the hardest day it was day one because I was scared I, I was changing I was changing a behavior and I was committing to changing a behavior but not only was committing to changing behavior I was committing to be accountable to me and committing to be accountable to Sarah for two reasons one because of our own health you know, I I refuse to be inactive. That bothers me as a parent. I never, I do not want to be a parent that's not active, not physically capable to doing stuff. Okay, that bothers me, and I'll flat out say it. My mom's a big lady. She can't do a lot of things. She needs to. She needs to fix that. I refuse to be like that. That's number one. Two. I want to be like my grandma was. My my grandma Kata, my mom's mom, was to us. She was kicking football, 75 years old in the backyard. Awesome. Still mixing it up. Well, guess what? When I'm 85, I'm still mixing it up. That's my goal. I needed to be accountable to me, okay? Need to be accountable to Sarah because I was living a path where it's 400 plus pounds, right? My heart attack away. And we, we hear people all the time now. It seems like the older we get. I hate saying the older we get, but it comes with life. Well, why are people having heart attacks? Well, because their arteries are clogged. Why? Because of poor life decisions. Why? Because they didn't plan. They're not. They're not living life the way they're supposed to. They're living fast. They're not living strategic. They're living impulsive. And so I have to be accountable to her. Okay. Now, a smaller part of the accountability is we had to be accountable to each other because we just invested a lot of money with Coach Jill, and we're not, <laughs> not going to let that go to hell you know, because we just paid a lot of money for it, and we paid a lot of money for it for at a time that I wasn't working.
1: It's an investment, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: but the investment paid off 30-fold because I'm not on any medications and I'm not, I'm not tracking towards more of the medical expense side my I'm tracking now more towards the expense side where I have to buy myself a suit that I haven't bought yet or I have to get myself new clothes or you know, in, in Sarah's case, same thing. She's gotta get herself new clothes and that's I'd rather be tracking towards those types of things than versus, well, you know, I might have to be on diabetic care or dialysis because I, I crap my kidneys out because I you know, I'm in poor health, you know, or I'm on so many blood pressure medications or I gotta get stents or all this other stuff. I that paid for itself already. Thank you so much to our show sponsors Palermo's of 63rd Street Palermo's authentic Italian food made with quality ingredients and unique sauces has attracted vast attention and praise for their sweet, distinctive qualities Palermo's of 63rd Pizza has been recognized nationally as Chicago's best Palermo's of 63rd now has three locations to better serve its customers The original location at 63rd and Hamlin in the city of Chicago Palermo's of 63rd in Frankfurt at 446 South LaGrange Road, and Palermo's 63rd in Merrillville, Indiana, at 2893 East 81st Avenue. Visit Palermo's 63rd to get all three location phone numbers at www.palermosof63rd.com. When you call and order your pizza tonight, tell them Kyle sent you.
1: So if someone were to come to you today, maybe this has happened, I don't know, but if someone were to come to you today being in a similar predicament that you were in on your day one and said, Kyle, I need some encouragement here, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, what one or two things would you tell them that would help them get through day one, knowing what you know now?
0: That happened a uh, couple of days ago. Uh, uh, somebody that reached out to me wrote me a very nice paragraph on LinkedIn and he said, we worked together 15 years ago. And honestly, I don't remember him at all. And I told him that it takes a set of stones to reach out and ask for help. That's the hardest thing is to say, I need help. It's to acknowledge that you have a problem. And when you say, oh, I have a problem, what's the first thing you think when you say you have a problem? Oh, you're an alcoholic or you, you have some type of addiction or addict. No, you have a problem because you cannot control a certain part of your life. And there are so many different means of getting help of those parts of your life. He reached out. He said, I listened to the podcast with you and the other police officer about losing weight. Dad, he goes, That was me. I closed my eyes. So that was me. You guys were talking about me. It was like I was you. And I said, Let's talk. I'll call you tonight. And after practice, we talked for an hour and a half. So, the first thing you need to do is you have to hire an expert. We're not experts. He was a gym rat, younger guy. He's not younger anymore. But when he was younger, he was a, a gym rat and he thought he knows the lifting techniques and he tried other you know other plans or fads or whatever. And I told him this is not a fad or a plan. This is just purely a mathematical equation of science of, of what what your body needs to have to either lose fat, maintain weight, or gain weight. And you just gotta plug and play the numbers. But we're not experts in that, so that's why you need to find somebody to help you with that. And thankfully that we do have that somebody. So I just referred him right to Jill. That she's an expert in it. She's an expert in that. Go to the experts. Okay, you came to me and I was flattered. I told him I'm flattered. I, this is like the most humbling moment ever. I've gotten one-offs of thank yous. This is inspiring or kicking butts. I get a little messages like that all the time. But this guy came out of the blue. And I, I didn't know who he was at all. I forgot who he was. And he came out and reached out and said, hey, Ensprate gave me this, gave me this. I don't know why I was listening, decided to listen to you. I just saw it. And something called him to listen to it. Hopefully, he's called Jill and he's made that decision. But, you know, you can lead the horse to water, force him to drink it. That's, you got to have the will to do it. And everything that tracked up to our conversations showing that he had the will to make that change. And if you need to make a change in something, find that expert. And reach out to him. because if you're at that rock bottom point of just shrug your shoulders, I don't know what else I can go wrong. That's when you're willing, you're really willing to make that change, because you can't you can't move any farther back. You know, it's falling down the mountain analogy. I've said this a couple of times. I talked to uh, Dale, my cousin, about this about because he he had uh, he's back on the mountain for losing weight, but he he stopped following his plan. And we we're talking about it, and hopefully he's not angry that I'm saying this out loud. But again, it's it's very what he said was it's very encouraging and motivational to others, because he flat out called and asked. You know, we we're talking about it. He needed to talk about it. That that's tough to call and talk to somebody about something.
1: Well, you have to have someone that you trust. So that's a compliment to you that they trust you and know that you will respond to them. So to have somebody, and you guys, both you and Sarah, have been great inspiration to me and helpful when I had a call and ask what I thought was a really dumb question. I don't know how to do this or what would you do or how do you do bands exercise and you right. say, just come over and I'll show you. So to have people that you have in your corner makes a huge difference. Yes, we each have to be accountable. You know, the word we use all the time. You have to be able to measure things. You have to be accountable for it and you have to invest your time and manage your time to do it because um, nobody can do it for you. But sometimes you need people in your corner, and it sounds like there are a lot of people that have reached out to you to learn from you, so that they know that they've got somebody there to be in their corner if they needed it.
0: Yes, there have been several people, and my commitment, my commitment to me, and this is selfish. I'm going to flat out say this: me. Everything comes back to me, and I'll be the first to admit it. It's it's me. I needed to work on me to change me. Okay, and I'm and I'm a Picasso. I have to keep working on me. And when I say this comes back to me, it helps me when I can help somebody else. And I like f- that feeling, like winning. Right? If I can help somebody, I won. That's another point. I like winning. I like fixing me. I like helping me. Why I do podcast? Because it helps me. It helps me talk to other people, and I can get strength and. and and inspiration and, and motivation and encouragement from talking to other people. Because it helps me. That's why I'm doing it. Why do you do things for you? You do things because it makes you feel good. It's for you. Why did you do your weight loss? Why did you do your transformation? It wasn't for Sarah and I. Who was it for? It was for me. It was for me. So everything you do is for you. And people we say, are well, the it's...
1: only me's that we have.
0: Yeah, 100% right. 100% right. And I'm doing things for me. I work, I refereed games all weekend for me. I enjoy making making extra money. I enjoy football. I enjoy making extra money because I have little ones that are a part of me. They're branches of me. Sarah's a branch of me. I don't do it because of you. I hate to say that. I'm not reffing football because of you. But I'm doing it now because it's affording me stuff that I can do with extra money. And now you're in the equation with it. You know, when someone can reach out, I'm able to help them. That is a win for me. It's it's flat out. I it, there's no other way of saying it. I mean, it sounds selfish, and it is because I I like feeling good that I'm helping people, and I like having an opportunity to help people.
1: Well, that's who you are. I mean, that's not news. That's who you were years ago, too, before you went through this transformation. You serve in the community. You're a family person with a wonderful extended family, too. You've helped all them and your friends and your neighbors. And all the relationships you have are because people want to know Kyle. People want to be around you. You are a funny guy who works hard, and people enjoy hearing from you. And that's why your podcast is so successful, because people want to hear what inspires you. Who is the normal Joe down the street, or Jill down the street, no puns intended, if they're Joes and Jills, I'm not sure. But who are those people that have interest to you so they can tell their stories? Because everyone can learn something from someone. Whether it's about a body transformation, or working out, or struggles that they have in their own lives, we all have something to learn from each other.
0: No one will ever know how much money Tracy Sullivan made. No one will ever know what Tracy Sullivan told or said, or if you said something controversial. No one's ever going to remember that. No one's ever going to remember that you you made pancakes or you, you, you walked 8,000 miles. No one will remember that. But what people will remember is how Tracy Sullivan made them feel. That if you said Tracy Sullivan, they will never remember your wins and losses. They will never remember the stuff or material that you had They'll never remember your career, how many years you worked. They will remember how Tracy Sullivan made them feel. I read that that came. I saw that maybe about a, a week or two ago. It couldn't be a, the most most beautiful thing ever. It's people will never remember stuff, anything that can be tied to material. They'll remember and how your heart felt, how you made them feel, and, and that's like another one of the missions of you know like a, the end spray is. If you hey, if you turn this off and you felt good and you felt that craving of I want to feel good again, that's a win. That's another win.
1: Well, in listening to each of the stories so far and re-listening to them, because I learned something new every time I listened to it, there are people that I feel like I'd want to know, right? There are folks that have survived a lot of challenges in their life, that have grown as individuals and are just interesting, normal people. And I think that's a gift that you keep giving the people, um, letting people tell their stories and share. So tell me a little bit more about you and Sarah. You guys have been married for how long?
0: Forever. good <laughs> <laughs> the answer? I'm sorry. I just blew out the speakers. I think with that, look at the feedback, uh, we got married in June 22nd, 2007. So coming up, this will be a 15 year, 15 year anniversary and it literally just we were talking about it yesterday just blink we just blinked our eyes and how fast it's gone we, we had dinner with a friend of ours last night and she brought her little boy up we we're talking about it and it literally was that fast it was it's been 15 years but it just it seems like it was yesterday it seems like it just everything just happened and now we're here with three little ones and, you know, a, a great friend sitting across a microphone that I would have never expected this to be going on in 2007. I mean, my my whole life is a 180 from where it was when I met her to where I'm at today. It's a lot of things haven't changed, you know, but a, a majority of things have grown and adapted and, and built. They were built upon, you know, a pretty strong foundation, I think it was.
1: Well, I absolutely adore both of you. If you don't know that, I'm so grateful that you're my friends. And um, just seeing the two of you and your body transformation in the last year has been amazing. But that's not what impressed me the most. It's the people who you have become, or maybe I'm seeing the people that you were differently as you've grown. Can you talk a little bit about that? What did you learn in the last year? More because you both have lost a significant amount of weight and they look fabulous. By the way, if you haven't seen their pictures, check out Instagram. Oh, thank you. It's um, awfully kind. Well, it's true, you know. And when I walked into your house months ago, I looked at you and I, I I stopped for just a minute because I almost didn't recognize you guys because I kept seeing you the way that I knew you a year before. And so your bodies have transformed. You both look happier and healthier and younger. Okay, so I'm proud of you for all of that. What did you learn over the process that helped you grow to be the people that you are? Because you lost the weight, but you grew a lot at the same time, I think.
0: I, I learned to care about what people inside here care about in our home, to eliminate the outside world of what the influences and what they want to sprinkle on you. That this is my farm here. And we're all seeds in our internal farm and I cannot let any weeds from the outside come inside our farm and and ruin what we're growing here how do we do that well we just take care of what's inside and not worry about what's outside because if we take care of our own our own you know our own crops what we're gonna grow and flourish and if we can keep the bad stuff out we're gonna even grow stronger. We're going and become more, I guess, fruitful, and 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 we can provide more. That's probably the biggest, one of the biggest things that I've learned is to close outside out, because outside does not care about us inside. I have on this on the door. I on the on the door. No one cares. Work harder. Okay, because no one cares. You know, no one cares of how hard. You know what happened. That's and I say that to the kids. I look at that. I I, I could say it verbatim. I no one cares. Work harder. And You told me that uh, last week, and I I believe that that's that's a, a something I just truly believe that the only pe- thing that should matter is how you feel and did you win or lose and how you know how you can provide for your family or your inner circle. You know, your, your family could be, you know, blood or it's your, your tight circle, you know, your close friends. And if you could provide for them and make them feel good, you know, that's that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over the last year is I care about what's internal. And the external stuff, it can go away, hence getting off social media. I'm, social media is there to impress. You can use it for multiple reasons. Majority of the reason, it's flaunting. It's getting the outside approval. You know, it's like being in eighth grade again, showing up with your fancy, well, do you really need that fancy coat or that fancy bag? Or is it to get the approval of the outside? Is it really helping you, helping your life? Another one of the podcasts I listen to, you know, it's about more or less minimalism. You know, you, you do you really need stuff? Do you really need stuff? Why do you need an 8,000 square foot home? Why? You don't. Are you really going to use all 8,000 square feet of that home? Why do you need a $10,000 bag? Does that transform? Does that turn into something really cool? No? Why do you need a cup that's going to keep your beer cold for eight hours? Right?
1: Because it has to be cold.
0: For eight hours? Shame on you for holding a beer for eight hours.
1: Oh. (laughs) It shouldn't last that long, but maybe I refilled it, Kyle.
0: You refilled it with more cold. You know, but but that's the same concept as the $8,000 bag. You're paying a $75 mug. Are you out of your mind? You know, what do you need? A, a coffee for That's a whole different tangent. <laughs> but again, it's outside influences. That's what I learned is I need to worry about me. Again, getting selfish. I need to worry about me. Me and that's the Family. That's, that's my family, me well, and my family.
1: And over the last year, you've done a variety of different workouts that I've participated in that honored veterans and challenged you, whether you were walking or getting down at Kelly Park down the street here with some of your um, friends and community members, neighbors, and working out. So you're encouraging other people to follow along and do that, but there's usually a purpose behind it too. So your um, commitment to honoring our veterans... Um, and making sure that your community stays healthy and engaged is something that should be recognized and appreciated by a lot of people. So thank you for that.
0: Well, I thank my veterans for it, and I think individuals in our community that are willing to do some stupid workouts that are they're crazy and but if if a veteran could be if a veteran has done that to get to their spots and they sacrifice themselves for our country to put themselves through that type of training. Well, who am I to be an armchair quarterback? I should be able to do it too or at least at least I could try my hardest to do it and that's one of the reasons why I do some of this stuff. It's a challenge for me and it's also a it's my way of saying thank you to them that i I'm going to do or I'm going to try my hardest to complete what you completed. I think maybe that's why i'm I'm gravitated to a lot of these seal workouts, a lot of these seal these seal motivational speakers, your goggins, you know your mark divine your jackal
1: and it was a goggins challenge that you did that had all the walking and you were wearing the ruck and things like that early on right
0: yeah it was called the goggins four by four by 48 so right when i first started getting into david goggins in 2020 he did it and i followed it I'm like this is insane he ran four miles every fourth hour 48 hours that's crazy that's that's insane there's no way i could do that but i I wish i can't do that that was my thought when i heard it for the first time in march of 2020 and I, I just wanted to do it. I, it would be so cool to do that, to say you did it. So about like a month, and you know, about two months prior, it was coming back up. Thinking, well, I could probably do the modification because he, he announced if, if you want to do it, do some type of modification, but do something for an hour. I said, I can do that. I can't run four miles every fourth hour for 48 hours. Can't do that. But I can walk for an hour. And then I could do bench presses for an hour and I could do assisted pull-ups for an hour and I'll make up my own, uh, you know, stay active for an hour every 48 hours. So then I made up my own plan to, to run simultaneous with Goggins, but it was just an adjusted, but I completed it. I completed what I set out to do. I shot myself in the foot by carrying a rucksack. I carried a 35 pound rucksack for the first uh, three uh, evolutions of it. So it was, it was a total of probably 12 miles. I didn't no, about 10 miles and I didn't train for it. I went for it real ignorant because I figured I just was walking after workouts and stuff. That's enough training, right? No, no, it was stupid. It was, but, but I did it, did it, but I did it. You and, didn't quit. You I did, did not quit. And, and I, I did not quit and I did it. And my mind was telling me no. And I was uncomfortable. And I got to a point where I've already, I'm already this far into it. I was scared that whole day. I was so nervous of diving into this challenge because it was the mental aspect of the possibility of failure, of my body might not be able to do this. Well, I would end up crawling for an hour. Even if my legs weren't going to allow me, I would drag myself back and forth for an hour just so I could complete the commitment of doing something physical for an hour, for 48 hours, four hours, for every fourth hour, 48 hours. I would have done it. I would have done it somehow. I would have done something physical, even if I was on my back in a hospital, but I would have done curls for an hour. I would have figured it out, but it's not quitting. And and once you've committed to something, you finish it. You have to be accountable to yourself. That's been the biggest. And I've said this before. That's the biggest thing I've taken away this last year is if you say you're going to do it, do it, do it. And that drives me up a wall. With life now, because I that is that's probably a bigger pet peeve uh, to me than chewing, than hearing chewing. If someone says they're going to do it,
1: it's good to know.
0: If someone says they're going to do something, do it. I experienced that in my professional career, where I hear it all the time in the industry I'm in. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, absolutely, I'll do this. Yeah. I'll. Do they do it? No. I'll have a thousand times more respect for you. I'll give you a hug. If you flat out just tell me the truth, that if you're not going to do it, say I can't do that, thank you. Thank you for telling me the truth that you can't do that. Don't tell me you're going to try. It's either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. Because if you say you're going to try, you just give yourself an out to back out of it. That happened to me last Thursday. I asked a very nice lady at the gym. Her name's Carrie. Carrie has a weighted vest on. She's literally as big as my thigh. She has weighted vest on. She's doing step ups. And for some reason it came across there was this new physical challenge. It's called the Chad a thousand X. And it's a thousand step ups with a forty five pound rucksack. You have to do a thousand step ups on a twenty inch a twenty inch box. Well, her she's so tiny she can't step up onto a twenty inch box. So they have modifications. So I asked her, I'm like, hey, are you training for that Chad Thousand X? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what is that? She explained it. I'm like, it sounds pretty cool. She's like, are you interested? I said, you know, I'll look into it. Yeah, it sounds cool. She's like, no. Are you going to do it or you're not going to do it? It's real simple. There's nothing to look into. Because if you say you look into it, what are you going to do? When it's very concrete, everything was defined. You step up on a 20-inch box or a, a, a whatever box with a weight vest on or no weight vest on for a 1,000 repetitions straight. There's nothing to look into. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? She flat out said it like that. Are you going to do it or not going to do it? There's no looking into anything. And if I wasn't so damn sweaty and she wasn't so damn sweaty wearing a weighted vest, I would have gave her a hug. I said, okay, I'm doing it now. Thank you. You're right. There's nothing to look into. How do I train for it? Just start stepping. Okay. So I did my whole workout. I grabbed a 20-inch box and I did 25 step-ups that day. The next day she showed up and she brought a clicker in a box. She brought me a mini clicker that's it's in the middle of the, the truck. Like this is for your challenge, so I did an entire workout, brought out the box, I did fifty. Tomorrow I'm gonna do seventy-five, and then once I get to a certain point, I'm gonna throw a rucksack on, start training with the rucksack, so I can get to a thousand, and do it exactly how Chad did it. Now the Chad thousand X, it's it's in in memory of he's a, a special forces operator, a Navy SEAL, Chad. I gotta find his last name. I don't know his last name, but it's uh, Chad a thousand X. If you want to look it up, and uh, he lost his life to mental health illness. He took his own life, and so this is to bring awareness to a veteran suicide, veteran mental health, and something that is just ra- just just very sad throughout the military community. But it's also ravaging through law enforcement community and civil service as suicide as well. So I'm doing it to honor him. I'm doing it to raise awareness and, and to tell people, hey, this is why I'm doing it. You know, it's you're going to see somebody like me that has wouldn't expect to be doing some type of like a seal workout like it, but I'm going to do it in in memory of Chad and to raise awareness to, you know, to mental health to to suicide awareness.
1: Thank you for that, Kyle. I think that's important, and I think, and I've told you and Sarah this both. It's important that you're raising the kids the way you are, too, because your three children, who are amazing young folks, are learning by your example of what your priorities are, too. So it's important to them because it's important to you. They're working out with you. They're learning to support their community, their family, to recognize and support veterans and have causes they're passionate about.
0: Yeah, they they have to. There's, I mean, this whole different podcast about ideologies but there's a lot of things that I disagree with on how kids are now that they're they're giving escape routes and and that and they're giving an escape i hate to say of the gray area where they can live gray oh here's, okay. here's the uh his name's uh Chad Wilkinson and the website is chad1000x.com and so that's on uh veterans day it's a thousand steps. So the workout, the way you can do it is, and thank you, Sarah, for bringing this up, the research assistant. You have three options to do this. First option, it's called slick. No ruck, rucksack. You pick the height of the step-up box. So you can just take it like a regular stepper or stair. I know that you have knees, you know, knee stuff and, you know, doing a 20-inch box might not be good for the knees for you. So you can just literally take a like a step aerobics and do a thousand of them. Okay, you can do a standard. That's a thirty pound or twenty pound rucksack. You pick the height of the step ups. So you put a bag on your back or you hold on to dumbbells twenty pounds or thirty pounds worth of weight and you just do a thousand step ups with the with the step of your choice, the height of your choice. Number three is the expert, and it's a forty five pound rucksack using a twenty inch box for step ups, and that's what Chad did for his training. Now, I'm, I'm mentally ill when it says to do something very, you have a level one, two, or three. I just don't even look at one, one, and two. I'll just go right to the level three without even knowing that I probably might not be able to do that. But I'm I'll really do it.
1: not surprised to hear that, just so you there know. There is a
0: mental deficiency. A mental illness of mine is I go from zero to 60, and there's there is no two through 59. I just do it, and I know what I got to do, and I'm going to do it. I'll get it done. And uh, this is what I'm going to do. I committed to it. I'm accountable for what I've done. I will be accountable to finish it. And so that's what I'm doing the expert, 45-pound rucksack using uh, 20 bucks, step ups.
1: And when is that again?
0: Uh, Veterans Day. Yeah, Veterans Day. So, yeah, that's Chad, uh, Chad Wilkinson is his name.
1: So if you were asked to go back to one of the schools where you um, were an athlete, whether it's high school or college, to talk to the athletes and give them some advice, what advice would you give to athletes in today's day?
0: There would be two, uh, two different routes I would take. The first route is one of the podcasts that I listen to of a motivational, uh, motivational speech. I don't know if it was motivational speech, but it's been motivational to me. It's my foundation. It's be a coffee bean and a guy named Damon West and I, I listened to his podcast right around the same time where I decided to start making my changes. I needed to start inching towards a change and, and be a coffee bean and, and it's spread goodness no matter how violent and volatile your environment is because that's what a coffee bean does when you put it into a boiling pot of water, which represents violent and volatile. A coffee bean overcomes that and it turns the boiling pot of water into coffee. That's the first thing I would tell people. is Do not let the environment change you. You change the environment. I told the kids that on their first day of school. told all of them that. That you are going into a brand new boiling pot of water. You change the environment. Do not let that environment change you. That's the first thing. Because there are so many pressures out there now where people would rather conform than have people conform to them. Right? People would rather conform because is it easy or hard? Is it easy to conform to your environment or is it hard to wait it out and they'll eventually conform to you? That's the first thing I I would tell them to do. The second thing, I went back to my team, uh, to to Olivet Nazarene, to the football team and I would tell them similar to the conform be a coffee bean but smile and be nice always smile and be nice because you'll you never know when you're going to have a second chance with that person you never know what that person is going through for that day you do not know what they're coming from you walk through that door tonight Tracy I do not know what you're coming from but what I do know is I could smile and say hi, right, and be nice. Those are probably the two easiest things you can ever do, but it could be one of the most lasting actions that you'll leave with somebody. Like I said before, they'll never remember your stuff. They'll never remember if you say controversial, but they'll remember how your heart, you made their heart feel. And that's something that I've learned over time. And I was I was a bully when I was a kid. I was mean, but I was a, trying to adapt to my environment. Looking back as an adolescent, as a as a kid, I picked on kids because I was picked on. But I wanted to feel accepted. Well, feeling accepted is what it's conforming to your environment. I wanted to fit in. What's fitting in? Conforming to your environment. We see adults do it all the time. We go into social settings and. It's like, oh wow, who, who's this person that just showed up? Right? We, we see it, we see it at work, we see it in social settings because it's easy. It's easy to flip a switch and become someone else instead of be you and, and not conform. But to be nice and, and to always treat somebody the way you would want to be treated—the golden rule—that takes that's hard. That's hard because you're not conforming to what the group standard is. Now, when I was a kid, that's what I did was I conformed. So what did I do when I conformed? Well, I had to make fun of people. And that bothered That bothers me. That bothers me. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I, I preach to, the, to my kids. I, I tell everybody is be nice. Always smile. Be nice. Because you never know the environment that someone else is coming from. And what you've done is sort of coffee beanish, right? You've changed their environment by just being kind. Because you could have had the crappiest day. But I just smiled and said, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Well, are you really fine? You know, simple words. And acknowledge people for their name. If you see see somebody has a name tag on, that's their name. That's their identity. They own that. That's going to be with them forever. Nothing on them besides that name will last with them forever. Not even your hair, your nails. (laughs) You know what? That will all go. Except for your name. So acknowledge them by their name and say it with a smile. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Jack. Say it with a smile because how does that make you feel? When someone acknowledges you, it says, hi, Tracy, instead of, hi. Those I those would that. be the things that I would, I would, you know, tell them. There's nothing sports-related. Mm-hmm. I just heard that the other day. I was telling Sarah we were watching. well, I was watching uh, College Game Day. They were talking about Bobby Bowden. He was the head coach of Florida State. And they had a memorial service. Kirk, Kirk Herb Street was talking about this. They had his memorial service. They didn't talk about his national championships. They didn't talk about the big wins versus Miami or Florida or Notre Dame. They didn't talk about the All-Americans or how many players went pro. Everybody talked about how they made him feel.
1: How he made them feel.
0: Yes, yes, how he made them feel. That's what they talked about because the other stuff is just stuff. People forget about stuff, but they do not forget about how they made you feel.
1: That's an important lesson. Well, and I can say firsthand, when I've had some of those really bad days and I've come over here not being the coffee bean and was more like the egg because of whatever environment I was in, it's always been a place where I've been welcome and safe and you sincerely want to know, how are you? You don't want me to just go, oh, I'm fine. Or, hey, how am I doing? Yeah, really? What's going on? And so I appreciate that because I know you care. And you see that in all of your relationships. So thank you for being that guy.
0: Well, thank you for coming over here and and feeling (laughs) that way. It's, and Sarah and I say, we've said it too many times. We tell everybody that everyone's always welcome here. You're always welcome. That's what we, we have abundance of welcomeness. (laughs) I just made up the word.
1: The word welcome is on your front porch in chalk. Because you are. Thank you, you, because,
0: because you are welcome here. It's, you know you're not coming here for stuff you're coming here to to feel good you know and it's the same thing with you know what we were talking about of leaving that impression that you go by someone to see them so you so you could feel good so you cuz they make you feel good you don't come over here because we live in a 5000 square foot home in this lavish extravagant t- castle we have
1: it's a beautiful home
0: it is you know why it's beautiful cuz it's real it's lived in
1: Because it's a home. Because it's a home. With a family that's based on love and are good people who work hard and raise their kids right. And that's why I like coming over here. It's not just to get a few steps in, but to spend time with you guys. And I appreciate that. If
0: you feel, if your heart feels good, you're welcome. Always welcome. If you need to make your heart feel good, come by. Please. We tell everybody that. Come by. Door's always open. Just make sure we're home. (laughs) Just make sure we're home.
1: And Noah you're always does like
0: me. and you're always welcome to come by and hang out. You know, you're always welcome to.
1: I know that, and thank you.
0: With two locations in the Chicago suburbs, TM Tire is both a passenger car tire and a commercial truck tire sales and service shop. Their friendly staff will be happy to quote you on any new tires, which also includes sales and service of semi truck tires. To all our truck drivers, TM Tire also recaps and sells semi-truck tires. After you receive the quote from Crestwood or New Lenox, Illinois locations, tell them Kyle from the Enspray podcast sent you, and you will receive $5 off the labor of every new tire purchased. Visit TM Tire in Crestwood, Illinois and New Lenox, Illinois.
1: So earlier I asked you what the toughest day in the last year was. Uh, what the toughest day was, what was like a good day? What was what was a ooh-ah moment for you in the transformation of the last year? Has there been some goal that you achieved or something that was a notable day that'll be in your memory books for eternity?
0: Yeah. I, the day I bought jeans off the rack, that was huge. Just because I haven't been able to buy a pair of jeans since probably like 22, 23. Like going to a big man's store, not going there. That was a notable day. Flying and not having to use a seatbelt extender. That was that was pretty powerful.
1: You've had so, a very successful yeah. a very successful year.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get choked up.
1: Uh, good, mission accomplished. <laughs> Yay, Sullivan! I got him choked up.
0: So I'm going to read this. Let me find it. Oh, let's figure out the password of my phone. Yeah, you won, Tracy. Way to go.
1: <laughs> I am so flippin' proud of you. See, now we don't have to be explicit. I said flippin'.
0: <laughs> why? Why do? You, why do you say that?
1: Because you're focusing on taking care of yourself in order to take care of your family. And the things that you have achieved and taught other people this year to me is more powerful than the weight that you've lost because you've had the influence to inspire so many people. You've personally encouraged and motivated me and others. Um, and I kind of would like to know how many clients coach Jill has gotten because you are, you two are the power couple of success for B3 fitness in my opinion. <laughs> so coach, coach Jill, they all deserve a discount on no, something in the no, future. <laughs> we, no. it's, it's
0: called what we do is what we do is pay it forward. And if, Golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. And our and what she did for us is, you know, there's there's no, it's just, I mean, you have to help others. That's what she did for us. She provided something for us, and now what we can do is provide for others the and same what she did.
1: That's exactly what you're doing. I'm not trying to make light of that in any way. Yeah, It wasn't easy to go through what you guys have gone through um, and to continue doing it is real important. I had a friend say to me earlier today, so what are you going to do when that diet's over? And I said, wait a minute, what diet are you talking about and why do you think it's going to be over? It's a change in the way that we choose to live our lives and to see the two of you continue to do it month after month and to achieve the goals that you set for yourself, that's incredible.
0: So I sat in an airplane not using a seatbelt center. That was, that was one of the big ones was that um what else yeah I am I'm looking for something I wrote once but th- those were the those were the two big ones where it was the wows I was like wow and I just, I can't find what I wrote here I, I write notes all the time now I just can't find it but that that was uh those were those were feel good and I fit into a shirt I I got a I would buy shirts where I thought I'd fit into the size, and I wouldn't. And I bought a, when The Rock came out with a shirt, I bought it, and it didn't fit. And I was upset that I bought this, and it didn't fit. And when I bought, he had a new shirt, and I bought the size that that I couldn't fit into, and I fit into it, I was just like, holy moly, it, it works. That felt good. That felt really good, but awesome. I can't. I can't find this what I wrote. All right, what's the next question? Why? Why look for this? What's I'm multitasking. Your next,
1: what's your next goal?
0: And and what discipline? What do you What do you mean?
1: Well, you're you always have a goal, whether it is to uh, lift more, work harder, lose X pounds. What's your next goal that you're working on?
0: Vanity. Uh, my vanity goal <laughs> is. I I want to be able to see my stomach muscles. I, I, I want to see my stomach muscles. That's that's my my physical goal. I've I've so reached... your six
1: pack is going to become a twelve pack. Is that what you are saying, Kyle? <laughs>
0: uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just dumped him.
0: It's not even a, it's I mean, it's disgusting. Stop. Uh, well, I, I that's my goal for for body fat wise. I want to get down to that. My other goals are just to continue the success of unspray. I, I want to keep building. I want to keep building this. And I had a dr- like a little mini dream that I was sitting there with LT and I was thinking about it is that I really enjoy sitting here in the, at the kitchen table recording this because that's what makes this a, that's what makes this authentic because this is real. This is true. But I would love an area one day that if I'm generating enough sponsorship revenue that we would have our own little studio, like our own little lounge, and we can go in there and talk, and it's like my dream setting is... And it's, it, it includes L.T. because L L T story is just, I mean, just tra- it just transformed me. There's a lot to it.
1: And so anyone who's listening now, if you haven't listened to the L.T. Griffin podcast that's in three separate parts, before, during, and after the storm, make sure you go back to Inspirate and listen to those because they were fabulous.
0: It was very good. So it's going to be called the Breathe Studios, and T's going to be able to cut hair and have his own barbershop while we can record. And... It's comfortable. It's, it's a studio. I would love that. And instead of using the kitchen table, which is fine, but again, that's what make it, makes this for what it is, is to have it so my own studio and to be able to go to different people and interview them based off of referrals. That, that's my next goal, is to be able to build this where John Doe in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you got to hear the story. Okay, what's well, the story? Holy moly, that's a great story. Do you know him? Yeah, it's it's my buddy. All right, I'm gonna book a ticket. I'm we're gonna go out there and record with him. We're gonna get his permission, or go out east and record somebody. That's where I want to get this. Where I can, you know, best case scenario that this takes off and this becomes every day. I I can talk to people. That would be like that's the dream, is that I can record or I could talk to people all the time and have a and have a, a constant. Have a constant feed of information of just everyday people. That would be that would be just beautiful. That would be remarkable to do that.
1: When you reach out to people and ask them to speak on your podcast, are some of them hesitant to do so?
0: I've had two. I've had two
1: because I, they, they they were, were both nervous? referrals. Okay,
0: they just don't. I don't. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I mean, one of the stories is it's pretty powerful uh, from the little bit that I know of it. And maybe I think that might be the only one out of all of them that was hesitant and I just didn't really follow up on it, didn't follow through on it just because there was hesitancy. It's either you want to do it or you don't want to do it. If I have to talk you into doing it, it's not going to be worth any of our time because you're being forced to do it and I shouldn't have to talk you into doing something. It's either you're going to want to talk about and or you don't. And if you don't, that's okay, and if you do, that's fine too.
1: What's your favorite movie that motivates you? If you oh, had to pick a movie, boy. just one. Okay, maybe what, two what, if you what, if you have a tie.
0: What I would wa- what the movies are that get me get uh, Cinderella, man. Yeah, it's another one way to go.
1: I, no, I honestly, I honestly don't know that I've seen it. That's why I'm really? looking at you like this. I'm like, hmm.
0: Yeah, Cinderella, man, and uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Those, those are two <laughs> way to go. Two in a <laughs> row. <laughs> the, the reason why it's because it's it's a it's a, a parent willing to do anything to better their lives better the family's lives. And, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta swallow pride to do it. I think you like Cinderella, man. It's pretty good.
1: I'll add it to my list.
0: Yeah. Like every time I watch it, just like, oh God, why did I watch it? But it's, it's, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. Those two are probably the two big ones of, um, yeah, motivation. You know, Rudy's up there too, but Rudy's Rudy. You know, the Rudy's Rudy. Rudy's a different movie altogether. But Cinderella, man, that's 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 a good movie. What are the ones I watch all the time that I can just sit down and watch?
1: Not Friends.
0: I hate that show. That's a waste of show. What? What's the other ones? I'm I'm Sarah sitting here. Yeah, those that's that's it. Cinderella man and the pursuit of happiness. Those two uh those are those are movies. They just they just reson, resonate with me. Of it's parent it's being a parent. It's doing what you have to do for your loved ones to make life better for them. And that's those are it. These are great questions.
1: So as we're coming up to tailgate season how are your menu is going to change
0: believe it or not i people think that i go to these um i go to these tailgates and i and i eat um like i eat ungodly amount of food i don't i cook for others and i barely rarely eat of the food like but I'll, you I'll
1: cook differently for others no I've never been, so I yeah. don't know what oh, no. you
0: typically. No, no, oh, it's it's. Um, You're
1: the grill master, right?
0: It, it's disgustingly unhealthy what I cook. I'll just say it's it's disgustingly unhealthy what what I cook, but it's tailgate food. Now I'll pick. all the a little here. I'm not sitting there eating these creations. Uh, it's sadly, I don't. There, I mean, I just cook for other people, and I just stay occupied but i I wouldn't I'm not switching anything I'm cooking because that's the novelty of what I do at those games now I'll have healthier stuff you know I'll have more of a chicken base and but you know some of the some of the things that I make i mean they'll they'll put you i mean They'll set you back. <laughs> they'll set you back on the cholesterol can, counts. And
1: can you still make the big pancakes? Oh,
0: I so yeah, the Kodiak cakes. But there's a trick to that, though, to make that type. You
1: have type... the big spatula. I've yes. Seen pictures of the big. Spatula. Yeah,
0: they're the Uncle Buck pancakes, and so the Uncle Buck birthday pancakes are. They have a lot of stuff in them that are not really healthy, but Kodiak pancakes are pretty healthy. And if someone wants an Uncle Buck pancake, I'll always make it. You know, and that's a cool spot of where I'm at right now is that I'm not tempted to just like fall right into the food, you know, the food plate of goodness. It's, I don't, I'm okay. It, you know, if if you want to have that, I'll make it for you. I don't need to eat it because I know that I don't have to eat it and I don't want to eat it. And what is the value of me eating it? Where is it going to put me? You know, again, the accountability part of it, you know, it's, it's like almost a food, like an addict. You can drink around me and I'm okay with that. It's okay. I just know I just can't. And that's where I was. You know, that's, yeah, but, you know, Sarah gets upset. I make all these, just these gigantic spreads, and she hasn't had any of them. Well, she probably won't now, but, I mean, they were just very unhealthy. But that's what the novelty of the tailgate was, was just the unhealthy food. It was just insane. Unhealthy food, like, like I would buy, you know those big bricks of butter? I would, That's what I would buy. Yeah, I'd buy a giant brick of butter. And, and throw it on some onions and let it sit. Or I'd put it in a pan, and I would take like a half thing of garlic powder, a half big McCormick bottle of garlic butter, and then I would take a whole jar of minced garlic, grill it, throw it in the butter, throw all the garlic into the butter because it's all now melted, and I'd throw shrimp on there, and i just let it sit. And then after a while, I'd take them out, throw them on the grill, fry them real quick, throw them on a plate,
1: and I was like eating candy. I'm not sure how we'd put that in my fitness pal. <laughs>
0: I, that is, that could be one of the worst, (laughs) worst things. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. We'll pass on that one. That could be one of the worst things ever, is to eat that. All right, so I wrote this. This is, and I'm probably going to lose it reading this. So this is the seatbelt extender thing. (laughs) I can't even read it. I feel like uh, Mike Singletary. And uh, that bears 30 for 30. So I wrote this at 3.15 on 5.5.16. Okay, that's why I wrote it. So the first time I teared up because I was... Because I was so embarrassed. You don't even know why I wrote this. I wrote it on a plane. All my life, I've always been big. Yeah, I can't even read it. All right, let's try it again. All my life, I have always been big. Bigger lately, but I have always been heavy. Today was the first time it really bothered me where I grew upset. Shit, I can't read it. Uh i obtained my boarding pass from southwest gate at the punta cana airport after my company's national sales meeting as i have done since flying for work i always ask for the plus one and that's something that southwest has for big people or the overweight boarding pass for my flight so i can have the extra room for a seat this pass reserved the seat next to me so i can have the space so i'm not crammed into the window or making the person sit next to me very uncomfortable, I also get a pre-board pass too, so I'm able to get on uh, get a first chance at the seats. I was at one I, w- I was one of the first to board the plane and was able to grab the first row, which has extra leg room since there is no seat in front of me. As the plane was lifting up, there was a couple that entered the plane. And spotted two seats next to me that was free, there was a an American couple who looked like they were just coming off their vacation or a honeymoon. He mentioned about sitting in the two seats, and I told him the one seat was reserved, where I had my oversized ticket on. He grew angry at this inconvenience for him. His wife sat in the seat adjacent to the oversized seat, and he sat directly behind her. The plane was boarding. And he was verbally not happy sitting behind her. Then I overheard him say, That seat isn't reserved. He is being a real dick. I was a a cross between being angered and embarrassed. I wanted to tell him, No, I'm not being a dick. I just can't fit properly into an airplane seat. Way to go. I can't fit into an airplane seat because I'm extremely overweight and I need a second seat. But I refrained. So I wrote that that day. That happened. And it sucked. It was horrible.
1: And now, you don't need that extra seat. And now... But
0: I don't need to feel like that ever again. Yeah, I don't need to feel like that ever again. So, yeah, that's uh, I wrote that.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, course. well, it's
0: I mean that's that's real life there. Sorry for sorry for getting you guys all jammed. Don't oh man. Yeah, but I wrote that that day and it was horrible. I I felt horrible. And I never want to feel like that again. That's that's probably the that's my why is it's never feeling like that. What else I write here? I write a little bit more. I wrote a little bit more. I don't know when I wrote this though, because I didn't date it. Uh let me see, read it real quick. Yeah. No, that that was pretty much the big That was the big, uh, the big part of that trip. I'll read the rest of this too. I've I haven't read this at all. I mean, I I read that once. I read that when I wrote that. I wrote that when I sat on the plane when I didn't need the seatbelt extender. That was because I remember how it felt. Felt horrible. All right, this trip was very awkward for me. Like the past year, my company had yearly national sales meetings on a beautiful beach resort in the tropics. Excuse me. Now I am. Can you give me a, a. My nose is like a faucet from turning into an emotional mess. Yeah, a mess. <laughs> Woo. And this is going into India, by the way. This, all right. This trip was very awkward for me. Like the past year, my company had its yearly national sales meeting on a beautiful beach resort in the tropics. Now I am an anonymously. And the pharmaceutical industry being six three three hundred seventy one pounds. That was back in 2016. The best way to describe the workforce is either you look like a Victoria's Secret angel or a Ralph Lauren model. I always joke that I'm the Uncle Buck rep. The days of the national sales meeting consisted of meetings and everyone always ending up on the beach. This entire trip I was constantly fixing my shirt so it covered my belly while sitting. Or doing my pre-stretch routine of the belly and waist area of my shirts so they are loose and not wrapped around my midsection like shrink wrap. My beach attire also consisted of the same routine, but I was able to do lots of standing so the shirts didn't bunch up like they were riding, uh, like they were while I was sitting in the meetings. I bought my new shorts and a new shirt for the trip since the selection from my last year was a bit tight and worn. One of the shirts I bought uh, fit properly while I would stand but it would be skin tight when I would sit. When I bought this shirt, I tested it in the dressing room so I knew ahead of time what it would be like when I was sitting. I thought it would be okay. Once I was in my first meeting, I put it on and decided I couldn't wear it since I would be constantly trying to untuck it from my belly fold. The picture we were taking uh, was with all in shape people and I was like a giant X to them. I didn't like the way I looked in them, I I didn't like the way I looked in them, and that moment even stressed on how I I don't like how I felt. I wish I could enjoy the beach without being self-conscious on how I looked with just my trunks on. I wish I could enjoy the pool without the embarrassment of having to take my shirt off. At dinner last night, I was invited to a group that was already sitting enjoying dinner. I was finished at that point, but I wanted to socialize with them. I asked the staff if I could get a chair since the booth was full. He brought me a chair from that section. I took my seat and felt my hips were a little bit too wide for the arms and I could feel the weakness from the chair of my weight distributed throughout. I immediately stood up, made a joke of the situation, and asked for one of the chairs from the other sections that I have sat on in the past that were stronger framed. Once I'd sit, I would be constantly pulling my shirt from underneath my belly, and fold uh, my belly fold and loosening it so it didn't tuck underneath my belly and chest. I was very uncomfortable to say the least. After that, after that group, I joined another group uh, and brought the chair over to that group while continuing to untuck and loosen uh, the, the shirt uh, to give my upper body some extra room. After several minutes, I decided to leave and walk to the beach party where I could stand and not worry about the constant loosening of the shirt while I sat. I woke up the next morning and watched the sunrise. I felt the water on my feet. I got the wind on my face and I saw the glow of the sun. God was, God was with me on the ocean. It was one of the most spiritual moments I had, second to my three children being bored and I needed that at that moment. So yeah, that's I wrote that right after. Huh. Yeah, and so that's my why. I I just I don't ever want to feel like that again. I don't ever want to feel awkward. Like we went to the beach this summer. And I, f- I felt like I was too big muscular. <laughs> I think that's what it was like. I'm like, I might be a little bit too big. Because everything I did, I could like, you know, I just felt too muscular. But that felt good. You know, that felt good. And, uh, yeah, I never want to feel like that again. I'm sure, I mean, everyone's probably felt like that, wearing clothes or, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not speaking out of turn. You guys were both bigger ladies. Did you guys feel like that? Ever feel like that? Where you would sit down? I asked Sarah about that once. About why do ladies always wear pants? Is it because they're, they're ashamed of how their legs are? It could be a thousand degrees out. You're wearing pants. Are you out of your flipping mind? Why? No, you don't have to answer that. But that's what I asked. That's what I asked Sarah. But these are, I mean, these are feelings now that I know other people are feeling all the time. You know that they don't, they don't like feeling like that. They don't like feeling the awkwardness of does this shirt fit? Does this shirt look good on me? Women do it more openly, say it openly than men do.
1: Well, I think it's true. No matter how large you are how your clothes fit you and how they make you feel is important and uh, myself over the years i i look at some pictures now and i say w- why w- why did i look like that i didn't see it then as much right. i knew i was bigger but i didn't know just how big yeah you know and then you see some of the pictures like family pictures that will last for eternity you're going oh man can we have a do-over now Because the clothes didn't fit properly. And you try to be cool and trendy like everybody else. And for people of size, that's not easily done, you know?
0: Yeah. My buddy, uh, Joe Halbert, sent me a photo last week. Uh, We were at a a party, an after-school party. And it looked altered. I'm like, there's no way that this is me. But that was me at that time. It was. After reading that again, that was me. And I wore, I wore, I mean, I've been wearing T-shirts now that I've never worn before. They just stuck in the bottom of my dresser. And I kept them because they're nice T-shirts. I paid a lot of money for them.
1: It's hard to separate with some of those clothes. I recently purged yeah. my closet and I'm looking at things. And I'm like, but I really like that. But I shouldn't be wearing it anymore.
0: I wore a Notre Dame polo from the Shamrock series when they played Army. And when I bought it, it was skin tight on me. Literally now It's a tent. It just drapes it feels good I wore it to, to practice excuse me because it just draped I mean it felt good I'm like I had wind blowing and it's just how I wanted it to feel but yeah those are some of the things is you know those are some of the wins and before I got all I'm turned into a complete mess there those are the good things those are that's why I'm doing what I'm doing why I continue to do what I'm doing or why you know it, it helps me you know it helps me so I never feel like that again it also helps me knowing that i can help others so they don't ever feel like that so they never have that awkward moment where they sit down and they feel the the fabric start giving next to their butt cheeks It's going to tear you know or when they they sit down they have to constantly be untucking their shirt from their belly cuz their belly fold or their boobs you know they got man boobs or you got lady boobs and it's untucked and it's bunched and you're like, oh, it's just miserable. And you're not even, you're not even enjoying what's around you because you're so self-conscious of how you feel sitting there. No one should have to feel that way. But it's people's choice of do you want to feel that way and do you want to fix yourself from feeling that way.
1: And so if you don't mind sharing for people that haven't met you or haven't seen your pictures yeah. in the last year, what's changed? Approximately how much weight have you lost, Kyle? Because it's a significant amount.
0: I am, de- well, my heaviest I was at 415. And so, and I'm on, I was on a maintenance calorie. I lost a total of 125 pounds. So, awesome. the lowest I was at was at 289. And I, and I played the game. I played like the biggest loser game for myself just so I can get under 290. And so, I, I didn't do things that were sustainable to get to that amount, but I got to 289. So, right now I'm at 295. And I'm back on a caloric deficit just to lose more body fat just because I, I want my my vanity goals of having some type of a stomach muscles showing. That's, that's where I want to be. I want to be at a lower body fat percentage. But I know what I got to do to get to it and I haven't fell off it, because I understand how the math game is. the The macronutrients of what I have to consume every single day to maintain that as well as get a certain amount of exercise. And then I also understand that if I gain weight that week, well, it's also maybe because of my water intake. It's the swish method, which is real. Uh, How much food have I, how much waste I have in my system that hasn't came out yet. You know, you're number two. Uh, You said that in a very
1: kind way, full credit.
0: You like that? My waste. And, but I I know what I have to do for that. And so, yeah, I lost 125 pounds. Uh, Sarah's down how much? She's down eighty. So Sarah's down probably three percent more than I am. And she is—I mean, what, what are some of your numbers? Come over here to a microphone. Give give some of your numbers. She's shaking her head no. And I'll I'll brag about this. or I'll
1: just repeat them for you, Sarah. Yeah. Come
0: on. Yeah. Well, your photos are online, so I mean, it's not like we're we're we got like top secret information here. But what is what is one of the areas where women hold their weight? Where 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 is one of the areas, Sarah? Her boobs, your boobs, and those are one of the areas that Sarah has lost a lot of body fat because boobs are what? Fat. They're fat deposits. So, Sarah, the amount of weight that you lost last year at this time, what bra size were you? We're going right out there. (laughs) What cup size? What size? I'm not saying my size. I'm down three cup She's down three cup sizes
1: incredible
0: that's insane what how many how many pant sizes are you down she's doing the math on her hand this is what happens when you have multiple master's degrees you still have to use your hand for math five pant sizes how about shirt sizes well, I could say this is I'm wearing her T-shirts that she would that I would bring back from her from like trips and stuff. I'm just I'm wearing them now because they just don't a fit her. They, a medium. And what were you wearing? Two XL to a medium. So she's she's the story. I'm not the story. I have the sexy number, the big glamorous number because
1: you're of the both amount. The story because you Sarah's both, lost the percentage. You both stuck to your plan, and everybody's story is yeah. different. So. How much weight you lose? How many inches you lose? You stuck to your plan and you work it. Yeah, and you continue to do that.
0: Yes, and you have to because this is a way of life. We have to live this way to to live a long life. It's like the car. We have to be we have to be that classic car that you see in a show because you know that all the belts are good on it and it's always had good fuel. and It's been taken care of. You know, not not that nineteen ninety seven Nissan minivan you see putzing down the highway. It's all rusted out and sounds like hell, and it's on three spare tires, and you know the exact car I'm talking about.
1: I do. I think it was the three of us about a year and a half ago. I wish I had that photo.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's the weight. That's how much weight I lost. These are good questions. What else? Now we're now we're on a roll. After I just like shut off some emotional mess I had. What else? You,
1: you should be emotional because your achievements are spectacular and you're willing to share with people where you were and how you got to where you are.
0: You gotta be vulnerable. You have that's the thing that one of the bigger things for us was you, you were we were opening ourselves up to a stranger of taking photos in a pair of shorts when it literally looked like I had a pumpkin I ate and I swallowed it and it stayed in my stomach. And I had to take a photo with three different angles. And at first, it was horrible. Absolutely horrible.
1: We all hated taking those photos.
0: And then when you get to your 40th week of photos, you're like, Jesus, this is, wow. And you don't think that's you. Like, there's no way I was like that. But you are, you were like that. And I was like that. And uh, that was, you got to open yourself up. You know, to fix you, you have to to go to the very bottom of the, the mountain before you can build yourself back
1: up. But you also have, to, and I agree with you, but you also have to have your tribe. You have to have people who you can trust and be vulnerable with, who you can talk to and you can get good advice from. And to have family and friends, that, whether they've gone through it or at least understand it, that are willing to support you and listen to you makes all the difference in the world.
0: Yes, we, we have that. And it's really clamped down. It's, it's really clamped down. We know who are fake. We know who are superficial. We know who are convenience, friends of convenience when things are convenient, where the, you know they'll show up. Then we know who the ones are when life sucks. And I think that's something that we've learned over the last year of who's who and, and who are the key players in, in your life, who your tribe is, you know, who is your circle. Uh, one of my teammates, he passed away a couple of years ago. He'd always talk about his inner circle. You're in the inner circle, and I'd make fun of him about it. I always joke with him about it. I put thing I put it as one of my festive grievances, are you in the circle or are you out of the circle? Make up your damn mind. you know. But that's the truth is that you have your circle, and, that, and that's and that's that. You have your go-tos. Now, people come in, in and out of it you know, sporadically, maybe infrequent in or maybe frequently, but you know who your people are that makes your heart feel good, right? That you don't have to feel self-conscious around them. You don't have to feel like you're trying to keep up with them. You don't have to feel that we are we are trying to level off. Uh, I have to keep up with you.
1: And you have to make sure you have people in your life who will keep it real, that won't accept excuses when yes. you have failure Absolutely. and you need to turn to them and they need to help you figure out why you're having a bad day and support you so the next day is a better day. Yes. In uh, order to succeed in what you've accomplished, I think that's critical.
0: Truth hurts. When 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 people can tell you the truth, like I I said earlier on about uh, the line of work that I'm in, you hear, oh yeah, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. No, you're you're not. Tell me the truth. You know, that I I give more credit for people that just flat out tell you the truth. And I want to surround myself with people that tell you the way it is or call you out. And that that comes out wrong sometimes. I'm going to call you out. I'm not doing it to be a jerk. I'm doing it to help you. Calling out sounds horrible, but it's not doing that. I'm doing it to be truthful. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help you because the truth sucks. You know, truth takes work right not telling the truth it's easy
1: when I think it's hard for people of size to figure out who to trust and who to reach out to right so to have someone who's in your inner circle or willing to listen to you that can make a difference in your life and tell you how to take that first step back onto the mountain um, and encourage you to take that step because working with Coach Jill wasn't easy wasn't for me, at least, um, it was a, list, a lesson in discipline and time management and things that I do in my career, but I wouldn't make time for myself personally and shifting that. And when I see friends of mine who need that level of help, I always want to give them some advice or you know what to do. So if somebody were to turn to you, Kyle and just say, "I don't know where to start, where should I go?" Besides getting a coach, as you said earlier, what could they do for themselves?
0: Be honest. Write something down. Be honest with yourself. Don't hide it. Because how how easy is it to hide what the honest truth is? How easy is that? Not to acknowledge it. You know what is the root of the problem? What? Why are we at where we are today? What is it? And if someone could acknowledge that, and I and I vow to them that I, I'll be a ear for them to. What, what is the root of this issue? Why why are we here? Why are you asking for help? What, what brought us to this point? Because once you can acknowledge that, you're ready to make that turn. You hit bottom.
1: And for me, I would add, you need to document things. So whether it's with photos or right, taking your measurements or your weights and your food. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to know the history of what truly works. Right. So you can continue that. Right. So, um, using my fitness pal and looking at the chart of your weight, even if it's just a couple of ounces that you've gone down, you're going in the correct direction because being patient and waiting for all of this to happen, that's hard. You want instant gratification gratification. because you're working and changing. And that was one of the hardest things for me was to wait and wait and wait because I didn't see the changes that were going on that other people could see. Did that happen for you too?
0: I wanted immediate gratification, but I also knew at that time that my, it was going to take more because how big I was. This, I, this didn't, wasn't created overnight. You know, the Rome wasn't built overnight. That whole, that whole saying, that sounds like a truth. R- Rome wasn't built overnight. So I, I did know that was not going to come, come off overnight. It was going to take time, but I also knew that it's going to suck. Because the environment that I live in and I have to change my environment, not let the environment change me. That's what I did over the last year. I changed my environment. I removed myself from from things that put me into the situation where I was at physically, health wise, mentally. Just took myself out of it. I put myself into a new environment. I changed my environment.
1: I think we have to flip the script many times and fight our own demons that are in our brain to make it work.
0: So this is my chart. I'm show, I'm showing this to you right now, of where my start was, and this was where are we at year wise. Yeah, it's April, and it just it goes back up. I it even has to reset reset the screen.
1: Keep track of it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Awesome. What other questions? We're so my, rocking.
1: My last question for you is, so um, you mentioned David Goggins, but tell me right. who else in the world inspires you when you need a little inspiration, whether it's musical or a quote or something, when you need a little inspiration, Kyle, who is it that you turn to?
0: Any music or quote or any...
1: any per, A person. who are, Who is it that would inspire you when you need a little kick in the pants and you need to get a little motivation? My
0: my children, my wife, you know, what they have to do every day, what their uphill battles are, you know, specifically my kids. You know, my little guy had a speech thing going on. He still has a speech thing going on. What he's gone to the, you know, we've had, we put him in therapy. He didn't have a choice for it, for speech therapy. But it was hard for him. And that's a motivation. You know, my daughter, Maggie, she was an introvert. She's still introverted. That's her personality type. But how outgoing she is now. You know, she's outgoing. You remember she would sit there and I'd say... She would literally sit there by herself as as a small child. And she grew. That's motivation. My the youngest, Bree, she's motivation of... She doesn't understand the word fear. She has no fear. There's no fear at all. And if a six-year-old does not have fear of trying new things, then why would an adult? Because we're, I mean, we're technically, we're smarter. I think I'm smarter than a six-year-old. But we still have fear where she doesn't know better. She doesn't know fear. She'll try it. And if she doesn't like it, then she won't do it. But you have adults that won't even try it. Cause, and they won't even get an experience to to form a judgment if they like it or not. Why well, do you how do you do that as an adult? So just cast judgment. You don't even know what it's about. But you're gonna cast judgment on it. But yeah, so those those three are my they're my my pillars. That's you know, that's what keeps us going. And when my days suck, why am I doing things? Why am I doing you know, why am I putting in senseless hours for a for a podcast? help others but ultimately it's to build a legacy to make to make the name Hastings give people a feel-good feeling you know if they hear Kyle Hastings or my kids say Kyle Hastings like oh yeah your dad does that great podcast makes everyone feel good that's why I want to leave that's you know and they're the drive of why I do everything why I do all my volunteer stuff why I do my civil my civic duties of an alderman or trustee or councilman whatever it's called in our community my community is called a trustee it's the most thankless position ever. Thankless position. Everybody's got great ideas. But how many people actually step up to do those ideas? One Less than 1%. Everyone could tell you what to do, but no one's willing to do it. It's the most thankless position ever. I say this analogy all the time. Is that if you're in public service, you can save an entire orphanage from a burning building. You could save 70 kids out of a burning building. But you're walking out with that last kid and you sneeze on the nun, they'll remember you for sneezing on the nun. But I do it for my kids, so I make sure that they have the best community. They have the best community where they could say, oh, my dad, he he did the fireworks music. That's why I do it. So my kids could have a better community than I lived in, which ultimately are all the rest of the kids, right? But so my kids could have a better community than I live in. And then we live in a good community, but how can we make it better?
1: I think you're a dad to a lot of people in the community besides the three wonderful young kids that live in this house. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of good people out there. And again, if, I, if you're an opportunity to do something, do it. Do it. Be accountable. Be accountable. Be co- accountable to your community, your outside family, your inside family. You know, be accountable to God. You got to answer to somebody, might as well have the right answers. Or if you could at least say, I tried. If I failed, well, I'll try again, right? But you're accountable, accountable for your actions.
1: Well, thank you for letting me interview you, Kyle, because you continue to inspire, motivate, encourage me and a lot of other people. And thank you for sharing your story. Um, For those of you that don't know Kyle Hastings, let me just share that not only is he a dear friend of mine, but he has a heart of gold. He gives to others all the time. He is thoughtful and is willing to help and serve others. And so thank you for letting me interview you tonight. I'm going to turn it over to you for any closing comments you want to add, Kyle.
0: I don't have anything closing. What a mess I turned out to be this one. Not one. You caught bit. me off guard. Do I don't even know what, what question got. What was the question that got me?
1: The movie. I asked you about oh, a movie. What a mess. <laughs>
0: started I started there. Really? That triggered me. That was my trigger. Cinderella man, that, I mean that movie's insane.
1: It's I'm gonna have to watch it. It's oh a little late now,
0: but I know. Yeah. That's I don't really have anything to close on. Now. Well,
1: in all seriousness, I am so proud and grateful that you and Sarah are my friends, not only because you are part of my tribe, but you teach me something often. And so thank you for welcoming in, me into your home. And for helping me share your story with other people. Because I think you're going to make the difference in the lives of a lot of people through this podcast.
0: As long as I make the life, the difference of one person, it's, it's a win. Again, wins and losses. Did I win from this podcast? Yeah, I, I affected one person. You got me. Hell. It, I was, it was like, uh, what's one of those talk shows where you're, you're waiting? It's uh, Jerry Maguire. Jeremy McGuire, where where he's on the show, where uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. is on the interview show, he's like, "You got me, you got me." Congratulations, Tracy Sullivan, you got me. So that's that. We're gonna wrap this up. We are two hours, three minutes, going on four minutes. That's how fast this went. And Tracy got me. I thought I was gonna hold strong. I didn't know what she was gonna ask. I had a good idea, some routes that she was going to go, but uh, I didn't realize the one that got me. That just triggered everything. So. But it's the biggest part is if uh, you're willing to help people, you're willing to be vulnerable yourself, and to go on a podcast and just turn into an emo- emotional mess, you know, that's, uh, that's what, I mean, I don't want to say it's what it's about, but it's about just, you know, being vulnerable and telling the truth. Telling Tell
1: people being real, Kyle.
0: Yeah, we're sitting here at a kitchen table. We got two Zoas. Dwayne Johnson would be quite proud. We're drinking some Zoas here, some orange Zoas at... 10.07 at night we got our candle burning we got some table mats i got my duffel bag full recording gear here and uh yeah that this is real so thank you so much for tuning in again to the Unsprayed podcast and you guys have a good week so because i turned into a complete mush mess when we were recording our first uh take at this we're gonna be adding on and tracy decided to come back because she said hey i got a couple more questions for you and I want to ask them because I turned into a complete mess and I compl- I think I maybe took you off guard That's a little, little bit.
1: Thrown off,
0: yeah. And one of the questions I I, I lost it and I w- we did a, a podcast last week and I was explaining that. It was a simple, I think, you asked about what your favorite movie is, your, your motivational movie, and I just lost it. I was that like, was it. what the heck is going on? And that was just a downward self spiral But then I there. watched
1: that movie, and now I understand why you, you lost it.
0: What do you think of Cinderella, man?
1: It was an interesting movie, um, but emotional. You can see from a lot of different perspectives where people are at in their lives and where they try to get to and how they try to survive it all. It, it was interesting. I'm glad I saw it.
0: Yeah. Now, do you understand how that movie resonates with me? With like more of the fatherly, the dad, you yeah, do what you got to do.
1: Yeah, you make it happen.
0: You make it happen. You make it happen no matter what, and you don't have any excuses. You just get it done. You get it done.
1: And you've always done that, but as a dad first. Yeah, always, you always protect the family.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a line from like The Godfather, right? Protect the family or something like that, but. Yeah, it's a very powerful movie. I would like to thank our special show contributors, specifically Mr. and Mrs. Robert and Amy Parsons. They like and believe in the Inspirate mission and contributed to our show. I am beyond grateful for their support and generosity by supporting Enspirate Podcast. If you like what you listen to as well, believe in our mission, and want to sponsor or contribute to our show, please visit us at inspirate.com and click on the support. The Inspirate Podcast, or sponsors.
1: So one of the questions I wanted to ask you that I got thrown off and forgot to ask was... Because
0: <laughs> I turned into a mess.
1: Yeah. So if we were to write the uh, biography of Kyle Hastings right now, from birth until today, what would the title of it be? If you had to pick a title. Wow. Do, Maybe do, I know. Do, 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 you know so I
0: had the opportunity to coach football in college for a gentleman named Gary Newsom. He was our head coach. And his t- team phrase was press on. And then it was from a, a biblical verse, it was a Bible verse. Uh, press on. And it would probably be called fight on and press on. And it would be fight on because that came from when I was playing college football uh, with a gentleman, Mike Conway, who was was like a second dad to me. Our team slogan was fight on. And then Coach Newsom came on to all of that and where I coached with him and it was press on. So probably be called fight on, press on. And reasons for that is, is no matter what the hands were dealt, we continue to fight on and we continue to press on no matter what. And, you know, you might fight on for, you know, full out going to war or it might be a, a, a soft fight or you, you press on but the the idea behind both of those for me is you never step backwards you're always continuously moving forwards and it might not be full out sprint but you're moving forward you're always moving forward you're not moves, moving backwards you're fighting on you're pressing on and you move forward now if if i told you that we grew up when we were kids we had some very poor moments we did. No one would ever believe that because we're, we're very fortunate where we're at right now. But we had some very, very poor moments. And I, and as a kid, I didn't know better. I thought we lived like kings. But looking back as an adult, there were some tough times. And watching my parents press on and make us think that we were living like kings and, kings and queens and princes and princesses. And But as an adult, 30 years later, we, that was very lean, but they pressed on. They did not move backwards. They did not put their hands out for a handout. Uh, and from what I what I remember is they continued to fight. They continued to embrace the suck and move forward. And that's pretty much what I've done in my life is I continue to move forward. I do not move backwards. I might be stagnant, but I'm inching forward. And then there's some parts of my life where I'm in a full-out sprint. But then there's some times where I have to dial it back a little bit, but I'm still moving forward. So it would be called fight on and press on.
1: And do you think a lot of that was instilled in you because of your parents?
0: Yes, absolutely. Because they being the oldest of six, I mean, there's a big gap. There's a 13 year gap, I believe, between myself and the youngest. And uh, my dad would work three jobs. He'd deliver pizzas. This was before you know the mayor thing and all the other like school administration. You know, he was working three jobs. You know, he'd work do at what my, you got to do. Do what you got to do. He'd work at the, my uh, grandfather invented the pooper scooper. It was called the skid scooper. He'd work at that factory, you know, at nighttime or in the afternoons. He'd have his his daytime job, and then he'd deliver pizzas at nighttime. And he did what he had to do to provide for the family. And then my mom did what she had to do, and it's take care of six kids. And then when they were all school, then she went back to work, and she's going to be retiring this year after putting in 20-plus years. And I remember when she went back to work because Mike and I, we'd have to babysit the younger sisters. And that's how we learned so much about childcare. because my dad was working on weekends and my mom was working on weekends. And so Mike and I would have to share babysitting responsibilities to one-year-old girls, to Kate and Molly, who were one at the time. So we knew everything about fevers and rashes and what you do if they decided to take their poop out of their diaper (laughs) and and all that fun stuff. But I learned – that's where I've learned everything is from that – preteen adolescence, seeing that, understanding that, and then really comprehending that as an adult of what it means to provide, work hard, get to the finish line. You know, don't ever regress.
1: And I see a lot of it in your siblings and yourself, as well as um, your parents, of course, taught you to serve your communities. Several of you are elected officials. Several of you are engaged in a lot of different ways in the schools and local community. So thank you for that because the place wouldn't be the same without you guys. Well,
0: thank you. It's, it's really
1: kind. and I, That's how you were raised, and you continue to do that. That's amazing. I want
0: to make, just like my parents wanted life better for us, and they had it, that's what I, my goal is to make life better for my children. And in result, everyone else's children in this community is are going to have a better town than I lived in. Not like saying that what we lived in was like a mountain town in Afghanistan. It was, we, we lived in a good town, but it's, it's changed tremendously. And I remember when we were doing this podcast earlier on, I said, I think this is very selfish to say, but I do this for my family. I do this for my kids so they can take pride in wh- where they live and what they have in the town that they live in. That's why I do it. So my kids can have a better life than I had. And I was pretty lucky. But in result is that all the community kids will have a better life than I had living here in this town.
1: Always leave it better than we found it, right? Absolutely. What did you think um, the influence of athletics was in your weight loss transformation and your ability to succeed? Were there characteristics and skill set that some of the coaches and teammates you mentioned helped you develop early on? And did they stay consistent? Did they just come back to you as you've gotten into all the different gyms and workouts? How did that influence your life so far, Kyle?
0: So it's a great question. I I was never the biggest and the strongest. I didn't grow until my freshman year of college. Pretty much, I didn't grow, and I was always on the second string. They called it the B team. I played eighth grade football. I was on the B team my freshman year. I was on the B team my sophomore year. My junior year, we played JV, but I was second string on JV. And I went to a gentleman named John Olmstead, and he was a he was our uh, position coach in high school and coach Holmstead was very very blunt he was very old school i would say very or uh, unorthodox style of coaching very very energetic you know but sometimes people didn't like on how he communicated his ways well i gravitated to that because i enjoyed that extreme type of coaching that's what i enjoyed doing i i listened better to that you know all or nothing you put it all in and I asked him uh, end of my junior year, "What do I have to do to start next year?" And he flat out told me, "Kyle, you're probably not going to start." I said, okay, I asked him for honesty, and he gave me honesty. He goes, "Well, if you, if you even want a shot, you're you gotta move your feet. Your feet are way too slow, and you gotta get stronger." Okay, so what do you what should I do? Buy a jump rope, jump rope every day. So I jumped rope every day. You gotta get stronger. I lifted weights more more frequently. I f- I followed. And I ended up starting my senior year, and then throughout college, I just got bigger and stronger and But it all stems back to uh John Olmstead giving me giving me that blunt advice saying there's no there's a ninety nine percent chance you're not going to play but here's what you, this is what's going to happen with this one percent if you do it and I did it now rewind four years previous to that, there was a gentleman named John Anderson he was our head coach of the Orland Knights football program to Orland Park Knights, which is a defunct program now. But John Anderson, God bless him. He's in heaven. He's in heaven. He was a, like a five foot five ex army drill sergeant. He was a master sergeant, I believe in the army. He had no kids in the program. He was just a volunteer. His boy played football at Andrew and he had that little bit of a Southern draw army drill sergeant voice and very similar to to, uh, coach Homestead. He was all or nothing. It was business. As soon as you put on the helmet, it was business. As, you, as soon as you stepped on the field, it was business, and that was instilled my eighth grade year. Now I credit John Anderson by far my number one coach, and I've been very lucky. And I got a, a several that are tied for number two, but John Anderson, my eighth grade year, set the tone for me of you you complete you compete until the mission is done, and you're the one who says it's done. You don't tell me that I'm done. I'll tell you when I'm done. And that's very similar to David Goggins' message. is I'll tell you when I'm done. You're not going to tell me when I'm done. I'll tell you when I'm finished. And that was John Anderson. John Anderson taught me that in my 8th grade year in 1992 for New Orleans Park Knights. Remember it to this day. I remember the majority of that season. I couldn't tell you a handful. I could only tell you a handful of high school games. I could tell you high school a handful of high school moments. But I can tell you so many moments from my eighth grade year just learning from John Anderson and and learning what work ethic is and what it means to accomplish the goal and what it means to tell somebody that you're done and someone else not telling you that you're done. You call the shots. You you make that outer voice your your B I T C H you make that inner voice, you know, your B I T C H as well. And That carried over four years later to John Anderson, or to uh, Coach Olmstead at Andrew, and then they carried out throughout college. Uh, And then college, you know, it was just refining the craft. Now, fast forward, say 20 years uh, from my last, we'll say my last college lift to now, I knew how to turn it on, but I chose not to because I was lazy. I had distractions. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to not keep myself accountable for what I was consuming, my physical activity. I, I had spurts here or there, and I'm sure Sarah has told you this, and she's said this vocally several times, that I either literally go 1,000 miles per hour or zero miles per hour. Well, I've learned over the years that I have to ramp up to 1,000 miles per hour and then maintain between 500 miles per hour to 1,000 Miles per hour. <laughs> Went down the wrong pipe, didn't it? Sorry. No, that's okay. But that's that's one of the uh that's one of the things that happened. Uh was just learning how to ramp things up. That's that's where I'm at today. Uh, it's staying consistent. I will tell you when I'm done. You're not gonna tell me when I'm done.
1: So this transformation's gone on for a little over a year?
0: Over a year. Yeah, July 8th was the like official start and I started with B B3 fitness on September 8th. That's amazing. So, yeah, so we're over a year. Over a year.
1: So in the transformation what I've seen and knowing both you and Sarah and watching what you guys have done physically to change, losing weight, getting stronger, staying focused all the time is huge. So congratulations. Thank you for being an inspiration to me and everybody else as you've gone through that journey. However, I also see that you've grown in a lot of different ways. It seems to me as though your time is spent differently. Your philosophies might be different, or maybe I'm just more aware of them, and you've just grown into this person. So as you shrunk in mass, you're gaining muscle, and you're um, sharing your knowledge with a bunch of different people, and that's amazing, Kyle.
0: Thank you. It's, uh, there's a lot of things I, I need to work on still. And not not a lot of it is the actual physical component of it. Uh, I'm too sarcastic. I need no to, way. I, yeah, very horribly sarcastic. And people don't take that the right way sometimes. And people that know me, they, they get it. It's just part of the shtick, the comedy. But sometimes it, it irks people. It doesn't. And, and that's some of the things where I've, I need to work on that still. You know, I need to work on my delivery. And I'm going to say a little bit of my sensitivity too because I'm pretty hard. Uh, with it's one way or another, and mm-hmm. I, I keep it to myself. You know, if if there's something that I, I might be a little bit more opinionated on, I just I won't air it. Maybe air it to my very close inner circle, but other than that, I'll just smile and nod and I'll remove myself. But I need to. I, I still need a lot of, a lot of work. It's a work in progress, and I'm not done with that. I'll never be done on that.
1: Well, and I think the the journey that we've been on in the last year or so really you become very self-aware in a lot of different ways, right? At least for myself, I would I would see myself the same, but I'd see myself growing. You know, I'd be reading different things and being influenced by different um, music and all sorts of things that were fun for me to learn and get exposed to. And at the same time, I was getting healthier and getting outside more often, being more active. Um, so that was good for me. Uh, well,
0: you've did... killed it yourself. I mean, you, what yeah. you've done. I mean, seeing your before and afters and your photos from last year to this year and, and just it's amazing to see you know like to see you transform and you know just confidence exploding and and it's you know it's it's a great great feeling you know to know that what you've done on the outside has doubled on the inside right and with strength and confidence and not only that but then you notice people are more gravit gravitating towards that confidence iron sharpens iron right And you see what people are associating with you now versus who are associating with you then. You know, the misery loves company. Iron sharpens iron. You know, it's the yin and yang of it. Sarah
1: and I were talking about that on our walk tonight, Kyle. Earlier we were saying, you know, you're with different people. You want to be around the people that inspire you and motivate you and people whose company you enjoy and who make you think. Not always think the same as you, but challenge you at the same time to think or review something differently. So... If, um, if you knew something you wanted to, if, let's see how to ask this. Is there something you wish you knew day one in starting the transformation of weight loss and everything that you didn't know that you wish you knew back then that you could have started earlier?
0: How I felt. Yeah, sorry. How I felt like now, how I, I mean, I'm embarrassed how I was then that's, uh, I wish I would have, I would have known how I'd feel today of how, when I look back and see photos and remember how I felt in those certain incidents. Like when I read that passage I wrote, I wish I would have known that now. Back then I was just living it. But then it's once all this transformation happens, then you reflect on it and you're thinking, why, why didn't I, why didn't I know this then? Maybe I did and I don't want to see it, but. I wish that's one thing from day one is that I'd have the feeling of how I felt on day one. The feeling I have today at day 390 or 400 or whatever day this is, I wish I knew what this feeling I had now at day one. But again, that's the work in progress part of it, right? That's the transformation where you don't every day you build onto that. But if I had that feeling then, I would never be in the spot that I am now. If I had this feeling, if the feeling that I know now, I can give it to myself when I just decided to stop making healthy choices 15 years ago, I I would never even be in this position. But this position has also opened up so many more opportunities. Sure. You know, because of this transformation, we got two microphones sitting across from each other. You know, with the recording, talking about this, how many people does does this affect? many you know it i get messages all the time and i'm sure you do too for your story you know that if we didn't go through this journey we didn't walk our miles sort of like how lt had to walk his miles you know to share his ble- the breathe story well if we didn't walk our miles we couldn't share our story to motivate somebody else
1: i was out to dinner with some friends last night and they were asking me about what's going on in the last year because they hadn't seen me and It was hard really for me to express to them what I went through over the last year. You know, I could tell them the, you know, I count my macros, I weigh my food, I walk these steps and all those kinds of things. But to really quantify the non-weight related, non-workout things and the way I grew really made me stop and pause and realize that there are a lot of people that inspire me, a lot of um, books that I've read that I didn't make time to sit down and read and look for that inspiration that I need to keep myself motivated on a day in, day out basis that really was part of my growth process that I'm really grateful for
0: do you see your life as now your days more going back to the athletic setting of wins and losses, where you feel like you had a winning day or if you if you've accomplished something, I believe we covered this earlier, but where it's a win, yeah versus a loss
1: and I'm a very goal driven person, so if I set that goal and I don't achieve it. I don't just readjust it. I assess it first.
0: Why? Why did you not achieve it? You know
1: exactly. You know where did I feel like today? I had a bad day at work. Stuff was just hitting the fan. Let's say, yeah. and my first instinct was to go get a Hershey bar out of the vending machine, yeah. <laughs> and it just snapped right back to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I haven't been under this stress before it, in the recent past. It just hasn't been all on. I'm like, holy cow. That was yeah. like every day. But I was mentally better prepared for it. I knew what I wanted to do and how I wanted to handle it differently. And I went out and I took a walk and it makes a difference. But trying to teach people how to do that would be hard for me because their life isn't the same as mine. Their struggle isn't the same as mine. You know, so I wish I had a way to give people um, some peace and some hope because there are a lot of people out there that really need to make a change in their life and just don't know where to start. So I have a friend that's going to be starting the Jill program uh, with B3 Fitness in the near future. What advice would you tell somebody on day one? Is there anything they have to be most prepared for?
0: It, it's it's weird you ask this very coincidental because I Sarah and I also have a, a friend of ours that's starting on Friday, and the the biggest piece of advice that I gave her was every day's day one because you might have won today, but guess what? Tomorrow's a fresh day. Even though day one could have been yesterday or could have been fifty days ago. Every day starts new and you have to look at it is that I have to win today. I'm not worrying about tomorrow and I'm going to forget about yesterday. Now I have to worry about, I have to worry about the now and I have to continue to win. That is the biggest for myself is you have to worry about the present, worry about the future in the future. Let's worry about this moment. Let's worry about the moment where you have to make supper and it's easier to go get some burgers Versus to make turkey burgers.
1: Well, and the advice that I gave to my friend, I said, you know, you need to be accountable. And the only way to be accountable is if you document it. So you yes. need to use an app. I use MyFitnessPal. Yeah. As many I of use us do. I said, but you need to track what you've done and know what workouts you've done and what you haven't done so that you know what changes affect you. Right. You can't just guess. Right. Guessing got us to where we were. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll try it this way. That didn't work. I'll try it that way. Yeah. So you need to be accountable. You need to measure things and weigh things, and be honest—not just with yourself, but with your trainer. And sometimes that's hard too because it's, there aren't all good days. Right. You know,
0: honesty's huge, Tracy. And and if someone could be honest with you with information, I will give a hug to somebody and and, and tell them they're the most beautiful person if they tell me the honest truth versus tell me some BS. Tell me some lie, or tell me what I want to hear. That's one of the biggest things that I, I cherish now, is the truth. I had a gentleman today tell me the truth, and I told him thank you because no one had ever told me that. Thank you. I I was sincerely thankful that he told me the truth. And it was it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Something I didn't want to hear, but he told me the truth. It was great.
1: So you've been actively involved in youth sports for a long time, right? yeah, for a couple of years. So, coaching and setting up programs and doing a lot of different right. things. What kinds of skills and lessons do you try to teach the athletes? Based on the influence of your prior coaches, because it's not all just skills and drills. They learn about a lot about life. So, how do you go about trying to influence their lives?
0: We, I teach, team. It's about the team, and it's about the team finishing the race together, that you do not leave anybody behind. And I specifically pick the youth teams I've had the last couple of years based off of players that need that person to help them to the finish line. And that's my reward, is that there's, there's always somebody in a program that is always overlooked, right? That they're, they're pushed to the last picks or they're the last to get picked. I took them on. And I took them on because their heart is as big as the league itself. And they teach the other kids of what hard work is, about what determination is, what teamwork is, what accountability is. And it's amazing. And it helps me, helps me as an individual. You know, I I make them become leaders. I put them in uncomfortable spots to be leaders. I've got a couple kids on my team that they're quiet no, that's not going to work. You know, you come up to the front. You're talking. Tell them. Now they're chatty Cathy's and they just won't shut up. Now I'm like, you guys got to be quiet. <laughs> but, what I, for? yeah, it's, and it's life. Life is uncomfortable. And guess what? Now we're going to be uncomfortable. And in this small little scale of flag football, well, 25 years from now, it's going to be magnified. It's going to be the same lesson as what we learned here on the field, but it's just going to be magnified. You know, because there's going to be different type of consequences and rewards involved versus like football, Well, you, we win or lose. You know, I don't care about the win or loss right now because what I, my wins and my losses are, if I know the kids understand team concept, I know that the, and the kids understand that we do not leave anybody behind. We do not leave anybody out. And leadership is step up. Step up to bring that last person in line to the front of the line. Help them.
1: I agree. Athletics was a huge influence on my life, too. And one of the things um, that I ask people when I often am interviewing them is I'll ask them, did they ever play any sports and which sports? Yes. And see how much they want to open up about it. Were they a team player? Was an individual sport? Were they competitive or not? Because depending on what industry you're in, that tells you a lot about the person themselves as they open up and share that with you more than what you might find on a resume to see how do they fit in your office environment or how do they fit on your team um, so that you know how to interact with them, too.
0: I'll only hire offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, my all my bosses, majority of my bosses were all athletes in college. You know, wrestlers, football players, you know, baseball players. Uh, they they were all collegiate athletes, and there's something to be said about a collegiate athlete because you have to balance your academics with the athletics. But then there's also something to be said with the collegiate student that had to pay their whole way through college and they worked a full-time job while going to school. And, and those are some of the things that, you know, candidates need to bring out. But those are also some of the leadership qualities that you ask them, well, what was childhood like? You know, and you and it's almost it's just a scaled-back version of what they're living now, that they had to work hard for what they got. And then now you look at them in college, they still got to work hard for what they got. And then you find out that they've made it to their vice president or executive vice president of their company. Why? Because they worked hard for what they got, they never took a handout like the movie Cinderella Man. If I got to take a handout, I'm going to pay it back to you tenfold. I'm giving it back.
1: You're not bringing that movie up again, are you, Kyle? No,
0: no. But it was just on. It was just on. I was watching. it was at lunchtime. I was eating my sandwich, watching on the TV. But that's what life is. It's you work hard for what you get, and if you do need help, just make sure you pay it back.
1: Yeah, be grateful for what you have, and make sure that you share what you can. Exactly. Exactly. So last Saturday, you had a workout with some friends down here at the park uh, on the anniversary of nine eleven. Yes. What was that workout? What did you guys do?
0: So we, we put together over the last couple weeks. Again, we like schizophrenic. I put together. I hate saying I, shadow. but I hate saying I. It, it's it just sounds pompous, or arrogant. I put together a. A town workout, or I open it up to Community and Memorial Day to do the Murph Challenge. And Murph is it, they're called hero workouts. So I did this one on 9 11 and I made it up more or less is to uh, honor the fallen emergency personnel of 9 11, September 11th at the World Trade Center attack. So what I did was I found out how many steps are in the World Trade Center. World Trade Center 1, from ground level to the top floor. There's 2,226 steps. So what I did is I converted that into yards, and the firemen were carrying 60 pounds of gear, either through their pack, their coats, hoses. So I said carry anywhere between 30 and 90 pounds of weight, and we're going to walk 800 yards while carrying the weight. So I have a fire hose here I use for football. It's a, I think it's a 4-inch four and a half inch which is pretty heavy it's a big hose and i carried it but then i also not only did i carry it i put a rucksack on that was a little over 30 pounds to simulate the air tank the fireman carried and then i carried this full 50 foot four inch hose four and a half inch hose i have to ask for how
1: many steps
0: for 800 yards and and then i I was just feeling even more courageous, so I carried more things. So I put something on my back. I put a 35-pound heavy bag on my back while carrying the hose. And, you know, you're just, and you channel that energy of what people have sacrificed themselves for is to save people. You know, they knew they probably weren't coming out based off of what they saw. They calculated. that's part of their job. But they were there to save people. And the least I can do is to do some workout to honor them. And that's not even a fraction of a percent of what we should be doing to honor them. And so, yeah, so that's what we did. We had uh, some new faces show up and everyone carried weight and walked 800 yards, 800 yards. I mean, it's a little bit more difficult when there's steps, but we don't have that many steps. So we just did that. And maybe next year we'll find a building. We'll walk up and down. You know, there's enough there's enough buildings around here with five, six stories that we're like, hey, can we use your staircase? And we just carry a hose or a rucksack and walk up and down. Until we hit, until we hit the, uh, the amount of steps it takes to get to the top of World Trade Center. There are events like that downtown, you know. But we gotta just use our resources that we have out here.
1: Well, you keep motivating a lot of people. You guys get together on the weekends and work out and do a lot of different things, and it's always creative.
0: I try to be, I try to it's be, never I, and boring. I f- and I feel bad that they're like, they're very intense. Where somebody that might have knee issues. Can't do it. <laughs> you know, it, it does Are you break. picking on me because I haven't shown up yet? Just <laughs> well, no, I, but, but what we do is so, and I need to figure out how to make them, uh, to adjust them, to scale them down. So somebody that can't walk 800 yards carrying 90 pounds, well, just come out and walk the 800 yards. Well,
1: let's be real. If I were to show up and unable to do it, I would modify it to what I could do. Yes. And even though you might, elbow me a little bit and pick on me slightly I'm assuming it would be motivational it would be in good fun and it would be good to be there even if I couldn't do the entire workout and I don't know if I could or not
0: you could but you had a five you had a five kilometer run walk that you did the day after for the Jane Schofield Foundation and 450 people there and Sarah said it was just amazing
1: yeah it it was a lot of fun um coach Jane was my point guard Um, In grade school and um, friends of mine, she unfortunately passed away before the age 50 of colon cancer. And so her husband, Jim, um, who lives actually right in town here down the street, um, has been doing this now with the foundation for seven years, raising tens of thousands of dollars for scholarships for athletes, because when Coach Jane went um, to the University of Illinois on a scholarship, she didn't have spending money. And so he wants to make sure that he can give two college-bound athletes expense money so that they can live a little while they're in college. It's awesome. Yeah. So we had a great crowd that showed up, and um, all of Jane and Jim's families were there and a lot of community members sponsoring us and supporting it in the name of Jane. It was a great day.
0: Yeah, and it's rewarding. You were, you were just talking about, about giving back, and I mean, what a better, much more, you know, it's just fantastic, you know, it's it's more humans can do is to give back and to give opportunity to those who gave us opportunity of memories or or lessons learned or just friendship and, you know, in the big picture of it, what what you did there is just a minute fraction of your entire life, but it left a memory. For instance, Sarah, she, she talked about that. As soon as I got home, it's all she talked about was that event. And well, I'm how,
1: grateful that she joined us.
0: Yeah, how great it was. She was just super, super fired up about it. She talked about it into Monday, too, about, you know, how awesome it is that you guys do that.
1: Well, and it gives us all a chance to remember Jane and to share stories that other people might not know, right? Um, with each other, and to tell her daughter Maggie, who just went away to her freshman year of college, um, she didn't have some of the experiences with her mom. And when I'd see her do things, I'm like, "Your mom used to do that." She'd have no idea, yeah. you know. So to carry on her legacy and to talk about her and share her story, as we're sharing other people's stories, you know, you are through your podcast. I mean, it's real important to me because we learn from each other and we need to remember people and make our lives better because they were here.
0: Mm-hmm. Iron sharpens iron.
1: True. Very, very true. It's that. All right, so I'm going to let you close this out however you want to, but I'm just going to say again, I thank you for... Being inspirational for motivation for encouraging, but most of all for being my friend and for helping me. Because this past year, I was telling Sarah earlier, this past year wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't for you and Mike and Sarah, and I wouldn't be where I am today without it. So, looking forward to the next year and see what kind of trouble we can get into.
0: We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you too. Like I said, iron sharpens iron.
1: Amen, and, my friend.
0: And it's uh, and it's the truth. Paid forward, you know, golden rule. They all they all are pretty much come from the same drawer, right? And it's, it's just a way to live life, and that's probably one of the biggest takeaways of this last year is that that's what's came to, it's what's came to life is making sure that other people have that opportunity or have that person, that support group that will get them through that next step. It Might not be the entire ladder, might not be the entire staircase, but you got them up a step, and then we're gonna explore the next step and continue to go from there. And let them know that I'll be here if you fall. And we'll we'll get back up on the steps. And keep pressing on. Keep fighting on.
1: I'm proud to know you. And thank you for helping people tell their stories. Even when they don't know they have a story to tell.
0: No. you got a great story to tell. So thanks for sharing number one. Episode one. So we're going to wrap this up. So there won't be any more after this. Now I have to edit it. We're going to have a beautiful two hour and 45 minute podcast uh, to listen to. Which is going to be great. And i am um, sorry that i lost it <laughs> in the in the first you know the first part of it
1: it's awesome i just want to make sure that everybody knew your story and i get a little thrown off at the end and i said we have to end on a positive note we have to share all these things that you've learned so thank i, you.
0: I trust me i had no, i had no no clue that that was gonna happen i'm just like my god it was like kuba gooding jr and uh and jerry Maguire, right i think <laughs> you brought that up i thought i think you brought that up that's pretty much what it was like and uh but we are going to end officially right now i hope everyone has a great week and we'll talk to you soon that is a wrap for the longest and podcast i think to date but this one here needed the time just to share the story share what was going on in my dark days the days i was very heavy very uh, unhealthy, and just how I how my mind was working. There were some really sad times that I had, and it was due to my weight, due to the fact that I wasn't happy the way I was. I apologize to anybody who had to turn it off to clean up their eyes or clean their nose because they probably were not expecting for me to get choked up, which probably got you choked up. I know it definitely threw off Tracy because she had to come back for more questions because I threw her off. Really, a real lot. And I also, I think, threw Sarah off because she never knew any of this stuff. This was the first time I shared some of the writings that I had on that plane flight home from both of our national sales meetings. I believe one of them, or two of them, I don't remember, it was two hours and 45 minutes of talking. But that was the first time she heard that story as well. But to help somebody, the way that my My helpers help me is that you have to open yourself up. You gotta get vulnerable, and you have to look that demon in the eye and and let that demon know that you are in, in control. You're the boss. You're gonna make that inner voice your your bitch is what David Goggins would say. And I did that. I opened myself up for you guys. I hope this will inspire you. This will encourage you to make your life better. Make that big change that you need to make. Thank you so much to our show sponsors, Vittorio Foot and Ankle Specialist and Homer Glenn in New Lenox. Player Rose 63rd Pizza in Chicago, Frankfurt, Maryville. Thank you to TM Tire in Crestwood in New Lenox, Illinois and our special show contributors, the Parsons family out there in Northwest Indiana. Guys, you're the best. I love you all. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we have many, many more to go. Have a
1: great week.